a little bit more spunk. Just in general, I'm a, I'm a big fan of spunk. What? Can I have that clip for later, just uh, just in case? I'll put it in the opening, so you can just you can capture it right out of there. What the fuck's going on down there? Episode 450 of WTF TFW is playing in your ears right now. Aaron, we made it to 450. Okay, but it's not like, is it like playing in our ears or is it being created in our throats? I mean, for us, it's being created in our throats collectively. Okay. We're kind of gargling it out, you know, one frothy white bubble at a time. As you do. I played some 1 2 Switch, okay? It's not my fault. Uh, TJ, 450. Oh, mm. uh, wasn't paying attention still playing Zelda. Oh, I, understandable, now that I've touched it. You know what's actually fun? Is it's the first time you play Zelda, it's someone else's save, or, you know, a communal demo unit save. So you can just really screw up and screw around and not care. Uh, I don't know, it just felt emboldening to me. I died like 15 times. Oh yeah, that, that's a great game to just be stupid. Yeah, like, like just, it was like a save that was, like, not, it, they'd found, like, three towers is what I remember, so it was still early on, but not super early, and I was just in the middle of a forest, I stole some hunter's bow and arrows, and then he congratulated me, saying he meant to give them to me, and I was like, yeah, sure, I stole them, <laughs> I took them from you, that's what happened, uh, we'll talk more about that later, uh, but before we get to later, we gotta start with now, and right now, it's not actually in the topic list, but I wanted to throw it out there because it's, you know, the Australian Toy Fair news. Did you guys see the uh, the other two Decepticon Target Masters who are retools of the Decepticon Target Master? Uh-huh. That's pretty neat, I think. But how do you feel about it, TJ? There's such a part of me that's so happy to see the trio complete. I really was hoping for Slug Slinger and Misfire for some random childhood memories that were technically borrowed because I never owned the toys. I just got to play with them a little bit. Yeah, I, I only had uh, two of them. I've actually never messed with Misfire. I think to this day. There is part of me that is sad that they are just they are retools of Trigger Happy. Good as Trigger Happy is. That's the thing. I, I think that I like him so much it, it just stays behind that barrier point for me where I'm like, nah, this is cool. It's kind of strange that we've developed this new set of almost Decepticon Seekers now. Yeah. Yeah. And, like, only one of them has really gotten characterization ever. I mean, I'm not trying to write off Trigger Happy's various characterizations across the, the media, except that I had to read up on what they were, and half of them sounded like I probably could have attributed them to someone else. But... I always liked them just as like here's like here's the 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 faceless goon space seekers who probably just get beat up all the time. One of them has two nose cones because he's a weirdo. Um, Aaron, how do you how do you feel about uh, Misfire and Slug Slinger being retools of Trigger Happy? You know what? That's not a bad mold to retool. Yeah, kind of sad that it's all three in one, but whatever. <laughs> um, I think I'm also in the camp that wishes there was an alternate way to do the slug slinger dual cockpit yeah rather than just like he's hiding in a third cockpit that's kind of tucked in there <laughs> and those... like have him laying flat yeah you know, not not seated 
because you know there probably isn't quite the space for that but maybe going back into the body but I don't know. Like, like the 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 tiny cockpits on the two nose cones seem to have like engine sort of detail in them. So I'm like, yeah, maybe, like, are you kind yeah. of rewriting this as those are like two warp cores or something on the front of his ship? Right. I'm just throwing warp core in because it's a space word for an engine. Like, yeah. you know. Well, but. you already have that big gap in the middle. The entire toy is engineered around to fit a, a Titan Master in the first place. So I, can, <laughs> yeah, I kind of get that. Oh, I, I I understand why engineering-wise. I just think it would have been neat if they could have done something to be a little bit different. Yeah. yeah. There's also part of me hoping it's the start of a new trend and every Slug Slinger now gets redundant cockpits added on. Like, I want I want them to... I don't know. I, I'm hoping that somewhere in some fiction, maybe it'll be in, like, the Legends comic, because that seems to be the, the comic that does this stuff. Um, they'll, like, address it somehow, even just, like, in a throwaway line. Like... I don't even know how you'd address it, but uh, like the L- the LG series comics that Sakamoto is doing are so good at addressing. We're going to talk about one in a, in a sec. They're so good at addressing like the most minutiae nonsense that I kind of have hopes up now that mm-hmm. it'll get covered. Um, speaking of which, let's talk about it. We've got the uh, they dropped the comic, or at least the first part of the comic, because since he's city size, he'll probably have a really long one like Fort Max did. Uh, they showed the first couple pages of the LG series Trypticon comic where, uh, you know, he's called Dino Zaurer, uh, except that this comic is stuffed with weird references. So it opens up at the, at the end of Scramble City when he had a slightly different animation model that actually had eyes. So that's represented in the art. Uh, his name is also spelt with slightly different kana uh, because his, you know, his name is Dinozaura. But then in Scramble City, he was Dinozaura, so they called him that in these first couple pages. And it's him and, like, uh, you know, Galvatron 2 getting blown up by Metroplex, um, which then explains how Galvatron 2 ends up in the state he's in in the Unite Warriors comic. And then they do this cool thing where they're like, hey, Fast Track is actually, like, Trypticon's black box. So Fast Track pops up and he's like, hey, we can rebuild Trypticon using the information in me. And then the Constructicons, including blue and orange... Long Haul, who is apparently a reference to an animation error, uh, say, yeah, we're going to rebuild him, but now we're going to call him Dinozaurer. And then you get Trypticon again. uh, And then he gets, you know, stopped again. Fast Track is taken away again as his black box. Then there's a panel. I didn't I missed this because so much of Trypticon's covered in word bubbles. But then they show him getting blown up in zone when he's been rebuilt into, you know, the horned, like, more emperor-looking Trypticon. Mm-hmm. And it's like, Fast Track was built into his armor, so there's no more black box. Except we found, like, the tiny piece of Fast Track that had all the information on it. So now that is his headmaster, or his titan master for the new version. And it's like, that's just clever. And now they're taking all of this kind of epic storyline, and they're dropping new tiny Fast Track into the LG universe with, you know, the Decepticon business company, uh, and all of its nonsense, like, mind wipe with his cape. Um... And I'm I'm kind of excited to see what they do with it. Like I, I like the uh, irreverent silliness of the LG universe. Yet, you know, despite being that, it also constantly makes these like derangedly thin cut references. It's very fun, uh, and that's kind of why I wanted to to give that little recap because I just wanted to say it all out loud. But uh, Aaron, how are you feeling about uh, this this fiction take on on delivering Trypticon in this little universe? It doesn't all have to be one universe, man. I know, but when you do it in like a really 
just like yeah, you know, this is this, this is way, done with fun goof. Yeah, in a way um, that's like not even trying to right, be serious. Right. Um, Alpha Trya, I, I, and unfortunately, I don't think I've seen. I've not read a translated version, but I'm also trying to figure out why Alpha Trion has it on a weird like trench coat and is pushing someone. I think no, I think he's being a creepy old man. He's going for a grope oh. on Chromium, most probably. Oh, okay, well, <laughs> Japan, that makes sense. All right, basically. Um, actually, so I, I, you know, spoilers for what we got, but I got, I opened up a bunch of LG series stuff and flipped through all the comics and realized the sheer number of these comics I haven't seen translations for, because I got kind of lost. Because I was, you know, sometimes I open them up and I'm like, oh, I remember reading the translation, but like I opened up Leo Primes and I was like, wait, I don't think anyone translated this, or if they did, I missed it. Um, so I gotta, I gotta go and dig around a little bit. Uh, TJ, how are you feeling about, uh, some of the stuff being represented in this comic? This is always such craziness that I have to, I have to love it. I, aside from explaining all these weird minutia, little weird references like you know huffer colored constructicon, mm-hmm. you know, and things like seeing uh, Metro Titans crew, you know, recovering, uh, right? Recovering I forgot about that. Brain. <laughs> mm-hmm. This is all just like. They're pulling such deep cuts and putting them together in a way to make sense of all of the nonsense that go on. It's a very silly, tongue-in-cheek way of doing it, but there's such thought that goes into it, too, that it's amazing to me. I think the silliness is part of why I like it, because it's like they're putting all this thought in, but then they're not asking you to like be in awe of it. Mm-hmm. They're kind of like, we're going to put, all, put in all this thought and then funnel it down to a universe where Megatron runs a company that, like, I don't even... Have they ever said what the the Destron company even makes? Or do we just keep seeing that it's an office place full of, like, salaryman headmasters? Like, no I, think that's all, I think that's all we've ever seen. <laughs> um, I appreciate there's also a panel dedicated to uh, Swerve and Tailgate's demise in G1. Oh, right, yeah, when they get stepped on. Well, they didn't... <laughs> They didn't really they got they got Looney Tunes into the ground. Yeah. I remember. Well yeah, Wiley Coyote. Yeah. And we just didn't see them again. But I, I think I think they were I think didn't like Swerve or someone even say something? Or no, they they didn't. They just no, was staring the, off into space. The only one I can remember returning and having a line was Pipes. Yeah. I remember I watched that scene because Kryn wanted to know what Tailgate sounded like in G one, and I was like, well, <laughs> It's not really a good answer to that. Uh, he sounded like he sounded kinda. like like another voice actor in the back doing like a Wally Burr shout number three or whatever. Um, so uh, we also know that <clears throat> the Japanese version of Triptychon is coming out in August. He's LG forty three. He's running for twenty five thousand yen. Uh, that that's all not really a surprise. The August date is really the I think the biggest news there. So we we know for sure when the Japanese one is coming out. Which should give an idea of uh, of when the American one will probably be available as well. Mm-hmm. So uh, the only thing left to see is if there are any major differences between the two, which uh, have not really been illustrated as far as I can tell. Like the the photo stuff, as far as like showing what the toy looks like, is all filtered in such a way that I can't I can't really see much of a difference. Adding in the fact we still haven't even seen a, a real like citable production version of the North American one. So, uh, yeah, still waiting to see exactly what all the differences are. But are either of you tempted to go Japanese on this one? I don't think so. 
generally it seems like the the cost difference as you get to those higher tiers starts spreading exponentially mm. yeah i uh i think that the the shipping on fort max um in this past year was a real killer as far as people actually getting a hold of them like despite all the draw of the anime accurate colors and having the headmaster's theme and the voice clips it was also like you're paying shipping for a toy that size mm-hmm. when the american version is sometimes even going on sale in north america right. it gets yeah it gets difficult um i got hype for this trip to con now uh, i'm excited they've really they really stoked the fires in me in a good way like coming up with this like weird layered but completely logical backstory for fast track i think is a stroke of genius uh especially for the headmaster um mm-hmm. that's just really cool uh that's also kind of about it for like major major news there's some movie stuff that dropped but it's really just clips uh because there was the what the nickelodeon kids choice awards or whatever yeah they Teen had choice awards. like the the kids only trailer teaser thing yeah and uh it's actually the most excited i've been for the last night to be honest because they showed this one minute clip and they have this trailer that's focused on on the new girl and in that one minute clip there were a bunch of children who were like actual characters insofar as they had lines beyond saying are you the tooth fairy and i realized i I checked on twitter and no one seemed to disagree this might actually be the first time a live-action Transformers movie has children as actual characters and not set dressing. And it kind of hit me that, like, it took ten years for there to be child characters in the toy line-oriented live-action movie series. I feel like there's such a stigma to trying to make it the gritty and realistic style. They didn't want kids involved in it, even though that's kind of an element to Transformers mythos. Yeah, and it gave me this sense of this very small sense of hope about the movie, which I haven't had since like six years ago, which was that if if they actually are going to have kids as characters and like there's this lead human character who seems to be this orphan girl who's, you know, friends with a bunch of, I guess, orphan Autobots or whatever and baby Dinobots. I'm like, maybe this movie won't have awkward horniness in it. Except for to be awkward preteen horniness. Maybe. And of course, there are still adult characters and there's still fully, you know, as I said on Twitter, there's totally a chance one of the Decepticons we haven't seen will just be like a giant serrated metal penis. You never know. Maybe one of the robots will just get a massive erection on screen because, you know, that'll be. They've already had testicles. They have. Mm -hmm. So, you know, the bar is ready to drop low. It just gave me this little sense of hope that like they were presenting, uh, children as 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 frontline characters where you'd think it would be impossible uh to have the the kind of embarrassing awkward horniness that the transformers movies always uh, tend to pop in for at least one scene mm-hmm. um also we got some names like the the weird looking orange autobot apparently is called canopy which is a it's a great transformers name for a character who will probably die <laughs> like that that sounds like a, a dead man walking transformers name yeah um it's it's def- it sounds like a name he didn't come up with yeah <laughs> he's like my name is like blaze flame or something yeah something whatever he feels canopy. Like cool. no, I'm not no, canopy. It's, no no it's not stump oh <laughs> like, but I, I caught that thing on fire once yeah sure you did we're calling you flaccid from now on for all this back talk 
So, uh, yeah, I don't know. I just I, I had this nice feeling watching those clips uh, as far as like how the movie might actually be. Whereas for the last two, it's really been like these four and a half year long draws of like that. This is going to suck a whole bunch, but I'm going to have fun watching it. Um, I did like seeing Grimlock like it's played for comedy, but just kind of playing the role of the the disobedient dog. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it, it's. There's certainly something to be said about, like, if you match that scene up with the one where Optimus Prime, like, pulls him into his thrall. You're like, kind of wondering, like, you know, Grimlock was apparently a knight at some point. Like, did he just get damaged? Like, is this how he's dealing with the part where Optimus was like, you're going to protect my family or I'm going to kill you? <laughs> it just gives me some kind of hope that there is a little bit of characterization to him outside of Growl Snarl. Yeah, and the baby Dinobots also. It's It's kind of like... You know, there's there are them and the children uh, having like speaking roles. I'm like, maybe this movie will will not try to be actively not not as a film terrible, but present terrible people, which is what the last bunch of films generally would do. Mm-hmm. Um, anyway, uh, I wasn't I didn't even put that in the topic list, but I'm, I'm glad we touched on it because I did put a bunch of listener questions in the topic list. We're going to barrel through a little pile of these. Uh, opening up with one from Requiem Prime, who says, Hello, podcast team. What is your stance on a toy owning its accessories? A while back, I got Planet X's Neptune, uh, which is one of their Dinobots. Uh, didn't like him much. Loved his mech-tenderizing hammers. Uh, later, I got Triton, which is another one of the ones in that series. Didn't like him much. Loved his thruster cannons. Since then, the other Dinobots used their gear. Uh, so basically, he doesn't like the toys, but he likes their weapons and pass those weapons to other toys. Do you prefer to keep a toy's accessory for itself or play the open arsenal game? Um, so, Aaron, let's start with you. Are you particular about who's holding what? I Yes, I am. Mostly because I am concerned about parts getting disassociated. Mm. Uh, just because I have so much if I decide that I like want to, you know sell off or part out or something else than like if I don't have everything together it just won't work yeah then you're then you're left having to figure out like where you put it right um there's nothing that kind of bothers me more than when I'm going through one of my bins and then there's just a bunch of like loose missiles at the bottom of it and I'm just left wondering like oh no who whose is this <laughs> what have i uh, done i think this is a movie missile but man i who i don't know that it, i don't know that might be one of the weird other things how do i i don't know um I'll, I'll without giving my answer right away i'm actually my brain works a lot like aaron's in that also the one thing i would generally set aside and put in a pile are the missiles because i'm tired of them firing off by themselves mm-hmm. And then I look at them years later when I'm trying to organize stuff, and I'm like, I don't even know whose these are. Animated yeah. Starscream has the best missiles because his have shark faces on them, so I know they're his. But that's about it. <laughs> yeah, mine is like I tend to, if it doesn't have a missile launcher that will hold well, I'll like put it at everybody's feet is where their missiles live when it's on display. Mm. But yeah, it's I like I said, I'm more concerned about stuff getting lost from uh where it should be and uh tj how how picky are you about everyone keeping their own stuff or are you up for for people sharing i'm kind of in the same vein because 
Yeah, you know, it's real hard to lose track of an accessory when it's in their hand at all times. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I'm kind of in the same vein of, well, if I'm standing them up on a shelf or in a display somewhere, between their legs is a nice open gap that I can yeah. just... One two switch. Disappoint me. One two switch. I'm sorry. You know, but that's that's plenty of space in there. It's going to absolutely no use whatsoever. Might as well just keep the missiles down there. If I have to store things away just because it's getting too dense, or like you said, I don't want things firing off, I'll usually just ziplock bag weapons and missiles together by series, so at least it's narrowed down. But uh, let's 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 set missiles aside for a sec. What about straight up guns and swords and hammers and stuff? Mm. Same reasoning. Yeah, I, if I if I have some kind of idea, like, well, that'd be funny to see, or then you look cool. I might try it out, take a few photos, but they'll go straight back. Mm. You know, and there's some weapons where it's just like, you know, there is no way I can have anyone but Optimus Prime holding his rifle. Like mm. that's just sacred. Oh yeah, there there are going to be iconic weapons for sure, uh, or weapons. You know, if a weapon's part of the vehicle mode because that's how it stores or stuff like that. Um, cause I, I generally am in the same vein as Aaron and TJ, but in, in the last little while, I've I, I, there are times where I wish I wasn't, and I know there are times when I haven't been. And there's one toy who broke it for me, and I can name him right now. It's Evasion Optimus Prime. He comes with a shotgun that belongs to a toy that came out two years before he did, mm-hmm. um, and I have completely disassociated, like, I, straight up, that that gun, I think, looks bad with Evasion Optimus, so I gave it to Voyager Megatron. I just got movie the best Evasion Optimus, and he has a black version of that shotgun, and I don't know what to do with it now. So I, I have him, I, I put it with him, and I'm like, this looks awful. And it comes with a missile that looks bad when it's stored inside the shotgun, so I leave, I leave that out. It's a mess. Uh, also somewhat off topic i've gotten into mythic legions where everyone comes with more weapons than they need and they sell straight up weapon packs uh and and a big part of that toy line is that technically you could really pass everyone's weapons around and you're almost encouraged to um Mm -hmm. so i i I want to share weapons more but like if i think a weapon is part of a figure's identity and it came with it like it'll probably stay with it um but, you know, when you get into stuff like, you know, Vangsta, Renderform has a lot of just straight up weapons he sells. Um, there there have been like the Dr. Wu weapons, the various different colored star sabers that go well beyond just giving one to Prime Optimus Prime. Um, I really like the idea of that stuff, and I need I, I want to make myself more flexible with that. Uh, and I, I try to remind myself because I also it really is the thing of like, what if I want to get a figure together with all its stuff? You know, I'm going to have to hunt all that down. I kind of go like, you know. There are websites. It will be a lot of work, but there are. It's it's not impossible to re-piece together what goes with what. Um, so as long as the missiles are in the same box as a figure when it's in a box, that's good enough for me right now. The the me right now is happy. Future me will be upset. Mm-hmm. But uh, yeah, currently I don't really pass weapons around too much, and I kind of wish I did. Um, our next question comes from Smokescreen Thirty Eight. Uh, who sends greetings to all of us and the friendly Russian folks who intercept all of our electronic communications. Uh, He says, I have noticed a psychological phenomenon connected with my Transformers addiction or hobby, and I'm curious if this is something that you guys have experienced. When exploring a new figure, particularly a complex or interesting piece, I tend to involuntarily form a strong association between it and whatever is going on in my life, or sometimes whatever other media I happen to be taking in at the same time. The next time I pick up the figure, the association is dredged up right along 
along with it. Sometimes this is pleasant, sometimes it's unfortunate. Uh, it goes on to list a few. For example, Titans Return Wave 1 figures are all vividly associated with Stranger Things. Masterpiece Primal is strongly associated with the horrors of watching your guys' presidential elections. And these associations can be long-lasting, too. The U.S. release of the 2001 car robots are associated with the 9-11 attacks. Other figures are associated with breakups or the start of a new job or other significant events. Some G1 figures are associated with happy Christmas mornings, etc. Because of this, I find myself managing when I'm willing to pull out a new figure and explore it for the first time. Um... I find myself managing. That must have been an autocorrect. <laughs> if there is a good chance that a new figure will be tainted by a bad concurrent experience, I'll leave the box aside for another day. Do any of no, you that, guys... That doesn't, that's not an autocorrect. He's saying he finds himself like deciding when he's willing to pull out something new in case it links to a memory. Oh, you're right. It was my cadence that threw me off. Comprehension of sentences. That's why I have skill you. I have. That's why I have you here as my editor, Aaron. Yeah, I know. My my words editor for our talking podcast. Still waiting for that paycheck to come for the yeah, first time. It's but... totally in the mail. Yeah, your your guys' mail system sometimes gets slow. Yeah. Um. Anyway, he goes on to say, do any of you guys have this experience? I suppose this question will only be interesting if the answer is yes. Uh, if so, are you selective about when you open stuff up for the first time? What are some of your associations with past robots? Any thoughts or referral for a psychologist are welcome. So says Mike. Uh, so I am certainly not as vivid as you seem to be, Mike. Uh, and I, I think that like it's definitely a double-edged sword. It, on the positive, you seem to be a very uh, sentimental person, you know, maybe for better or for worse. But I think that's an admirable trait to be able to, you know, have such huge amounts of memories tied to what is technically an object. And to be able to have that object be kind of a keystone to, to reaccess that, those feelings. Like, I think there's something good in that, d despite the fact that clearly, like, there's also some bad. Um, and I, there are a few toys for me that are like that. But um, Aaron, do you do you find yourself associating figures a lot with times uh, in your life? Maybe not quite that extreme. Uh, but I do know that I have... Like, for whatever reason, certain things are stuck in. Um, try to remember, um, what is it? Like, the Armada Blur, I remember uh, the, the, like, hour and a half I had to wait in a parking lot um, for... And I was picking up my ex-wife from a military deployment, and I had found that. And, of course, like anything on in the military... Their bus back to their base was running on military time, so I spent, like, the only thing I had in my car, because it was pre-smartphone, still kinda, mm -hmm. and it was just like, okay, I have this thing to mess around with for an hour and a half or two hours. You spent way too long with Armada Blur. Yeah, than yeah anyone it was <laughs> like, like eight minutes was maybe too much for Armada Blur. Oh, dear. But, <laughs> but just stuff like that, yeah, there are some things that are stuck in, but it's not like... I can't pick up any toy and have some linked memory to it. Quite frankly, uh, occasionally I'll grab one and be like, when did I even get this? Ah. <laughs> See, I think because th that happens to me sometimes. I think that's actually a, a wholly negative thing. Yeah. Because to me, I'm kind of like, if I don't even remember that I own this, that seems like a bad. I don't I don't precisely yeah. know why. It just doesn't seem like a good thing. <laughs> The only the only small silver lining is when that happens and the toy is really cool because then it's mm -hmm. like, hey, I got a new figure, even though I bought it probably years ago. Yeah. <laughs> uh, TJ, what about you? Like, do you find yourself associating figures with, uh, with with memories or feelings very often? Only on occasion. I mean, there was a time when I could have I could have kind of point out, oh, yeah, I got him a Walmart. I got him a 
Toys R Us, you know, et cetera, et cetera. Um, but I find most of it fades in a couple months at the most. And what sticks with me are just the more special experiences. Like mm -hmm. I tend to, uh, I tend to associate positives more than anything, you know, like, um, uh, like, you know, like as a kid, I don't even know why the memory is so vivid, but I, you know, I got a G1 Ramjet at a yard sale that my grandmother got me when I was a little kid. And I could probably take you right, you know, in my hometown, I could probably take you right to where I got that. Mm -hmm. Cause just for some reason, it just stuck really hard. Um, there's things like, uh, you know, I, I remember picking up like a movie Blackout and Scorponok with my friend Ruth, who moved back up to you know, your neck of the woods, Vangelis. And yeah. <laughs> you say that you say that like, you know, her. I, yeah. I, yeah. Ruth. yeah cause, well, because we're all supposed to know everybody up here. I'm just saying it because right. like I like my neck of the woods. So I'm like, <laughs> <laughs> you know, things like that um negative experiences like i don't associate things with like current events or you know what's going on in the world at the time i associate them with more personal events and i'm more likely to remember those positives you know especially like you know with you know with my youtube channel with the things that you know fans have helped me get over the years like all of that's really special to me all of that f builds a connection in my mind and then there's things like you know, I do have bad experiences. Like I went through so much drama over like some of the Gaim toys mm. that mentally I'm still not quite recovered from. And there's just there is just a part of me that's like I I seriously love those toys, but there's a certain element to it where it's just I remember just how much hell I went through, and I really just kind of back off from them a little bit as a result. Yeah, that's that's because you know definitely there are some toys that I associate bad memories with, but it, I f almost feel like it's not even in line with the question. If it's like, it depends on what the bad memories are. But like you know the the unique the, the unique toys Orden combiner, the third party Abominus, I have vivid bad memories of that took like like half a year to get over to even be able to enjoy the figure again. But that was mostly because of all the parts that broke and how long it took to get replacement bits. But that's also so wholly relevant to the figure. I don't even know if that counts. As far as this question is concerned, um, I even wonder because, you know, things like Happy Christmas Mornings, I'm like, is that even just like base nostalgia uh, mm. as opposed to, you know, stuff like uh, Titans Return Wave 1 being associated with Stranger Things, which I think is almost the perfect example of what what uh, Smokescreen 38 is talking about. Um, but I, I do have a few like uh, I was just thinking about it and there's a bunch like um, Car Robots Gigatron is associated in my mind with uh, Hiroshima up from the ashes and tokusatsu in general, because when I was messing around with them a whole lot, it was in my, bro my brother's apartment near Suspect Video in Toronto um, when he was living there, when I first saw this Hiroshima video uh, movie that I thought was very striking to my mind as a teenager, and also when I got into tokusatsu watching Kamen Rider Zeto in that same apartment, I also entirely associate the jet mode of Car Robots Gigatron with that stuff. Um, there's also G1 Slug Slinger, who, uh, was a gift from an aunt who's, I had several aunts, or sorry, not aunt, great aunts, who I never, like, I met them, but I always had trouble, like, really knowing them all that well, and knowing, you know, the different names, because to me, it was all just the greater German family that I would meet en masse as a child, 
and one of them had gotten me Slug Slinger, and my mom held on to Slug Slinger for literal years because she meant to hide it as a gift and then kind of forgot about it. And then, so she held on to it for a little bit and then forgot about it is what you're really saying. Basically, yeah. Okay. And then, like, out of nowhere, I had this mint and sealed box G1 Slug Slinger, but this was not, like, decades later. This was only years later. So as a kid, I was like, well, I want to open it. And that box is no longer with us. Um, but, the, you know, there's also stuff, like, related to the, YouTube is a great touchstone point because of how it caused the pursuit of some figures that are otherwise mundane. So, like, the first wave of Revenge of the Fallen Scouts are vividly in my mind as, like, these toys I got off eBay and I I was shoveling snow outside and I never did that in BC. And there was this weird day when I had to shovel snow and those figures showed up and I got all their reviews made in one day. Uh, or Age of Extinction Voyager Grimlock, who... Uh, someone found no one had found that toy yet someone found one in toronto and met up with me at a ttc station to to pass him along uh and i got the first video coverage of voyager grimlock on youtube up and that was a really weird event two years ago um and there's also like i have some negative ones like an easy negative one is i have a, i have a human alliance jazz that was uh an unsolicited gift from someone i had a falling out with and it kind of irritated me and then uh, that person passed away about a year or two later. And so to this day, I like that toy. I can barely bring myself to mess with it, let alone even think about videoing it because of all the memories attached to that specific copy. Um, mm -hmm. So I guess that that's a great example of like a negative one. Um, but yeah, I, I, this is, I mean, this is definitely something I would open up to the listeners as well. And uh, I'd say like, you know, if, if it is something as simple as like, this toy gave me a lot of trouble, and that's why I remember it. Maybe that's not in the spirit of this question. I'm not sure. Just because I feel like, you know, my experience with Unique Toys Orden was so much based on experiences with the toy itself that just went above and beyond, you know. It went above and beyond what most people experienced with that figure, but it was also all contained within the context of that figure. I don't know if it's the same thing. But a uh, fascinating question. Um, and, and, and there's nothing, I don't think there's anything super weird about it. Um, and like I said, I think it's actually pretty darn cool if you're able to form deep, deep, like emotion, uh, emotion activating um, associations with with, you know, technically objects. Um, but moving on from there, we also got a question uh, from Gasaraki. He says, firstly, I got to say, uh, WTF Attempting Podcast is one I've listened to for the longest time and most consistently. It's become a constant companion on my work commute. And over the last seven years, it feels like I've gotten to know you guys. I want to also throw in there Gasaraki. Um, is Who is this guy? Uh, I mean, from, do, we don't we don't really know him, do we? I, I mean, kind of I, he the, the message he sent me was longer. Uh, uh -huh. he's, he's from Australia. He actually had some really cool insight into a couple months ago when I talked about waking up and having a moment of sleep paralysis. Uh -huh. um, that's actually like his line of work is that oh. that medical field. So, so I can blame him for the times it's happened to me too. Okay, cool. Yeah, no, we're good. Uh, no, he, he basically, you know, he said he said I could share this or not, so I'm not going to go word for word. But he basically went like, you know, if that happens a lot, you might literally have narcolepsy. Uh, and I and and I was like, um, like that that was very touching. Like the amount of information. Number one is really cool how much information he shared and the amount of concern shown. Um, specifically, I've only had that kind of sleep paralysis, like, less than five times in my entire life. Uh, mm -hmm. so I don't, I don't know if that is enough to, to be, uh, indicative of anything chronic. I do tend to fall asleep in moving vehicles, which may well be indicative of something, though. I, to this day, still have to go get myself checked out for various sleep disorders. I've always meant to, um, because I'm also one of those people who's a hypochondriac about stuff like sleep apnea. 
whether or not I even have it, I don't know. But it's the the whole notion of it scares me. Um, but I'm also never able to make time to actually go get checked out because I'm terrible at maintaining my own schedule. Uh, nonetheless, he also had a question for us, uh, which was on the end of the message, which is, uh, what is your favorite or most notable morally layered or complex Transformer? I mean, most good characters these days are not all black and white, but rather shades of gray, but some just stand out above the rest. My all-time favorite now will have to be uh, the recent IDW Prowl. So many controversial and ethically borderline involvements like uh, RC and what she did to Ratbat, leaking info to the Decepticons via Scavenger, disagreements with Optimus going behind the scenes to get things done no matter what. Uh, Thundercracker also comes to mind, uh, especially his role at the end of All Hail Megatron and stopping the nuclear warhead. Uh, Decepticon who falls partly out of fear and who was for long periods of time unsure of his own commitment. So we'll leave it there. Keep up the great and passionate work, dude. Cheers from down under, Ivan. Um, so you kind of named two of my easy favorites. Like, I actually, I, I adore IDW Thunder, Thundercracker right now. Uh, I really like the fact that he survived multiple events and it's clear that, like, you know, people in charge at IDW who are writing this stuff like him and don't want to kill him off. Mm -hmm. and, and and he's he is fantastic. IDW Thundercracker is fantastic. And I will fight you if you try to tell me he's not in a legit relationship with Marissa Fairborn at this point. Like it's they though that is a couple, uh, in my opinion, and their child is Buster the dog. All right. He that that Thundercracker's child custody wise now is Marissa's child as long as those two are together, in my opinion. Um line in the sand Aaron uh, do you have a particularly favorite morally layered or complex transformer he kind of lays out the two big ones I'm trying to think if there's somebody specifically with the wreckers because that's one that goes into a bunch of that but really uh, like the one that was the worst about it was like the stuff that Prowl did to get Cup upright because they needed Cup as like a figurehead as like a figurehead so, yeah, let's get him addicted back to his crystals or not get him off his crystals. And let's do this, like, experimental uh, pretender technology crap to him, too. And, oh, yeah, I can just, like, link into his brain whenever I want to watch what's going on, you know, just because, yeah. you know, I'm bored on a Saturday night and there's nothing good on Netflix. Um, Cyberflix is what it would be called in, in Transformers. World. Right. Thank you. But I think that those real. I mean... Prowl is the one that seems like it comes up most in that of just like I'm doing what I got to do, you know, yeah. by by the raw numbers. I think that maybe um, Soundwave is kind of coming back, like is like again kind of the opposite of Prowl, where yeah he was doing the kind of similar stuff for Megatron, and now he sees that look. For for what Megatron's ideals were with the war, allying and making that the whatever base on Titan or or out on, by Jupiter is maybe what's best. And I'm going to lay down this war stuff and maybe lay out people that aren't laying down the war stuff because this is what it has to do. What what has to be done for the future? Yeah, I, I like repentant Soundwave. Um, like, like with Autobot Megatron, it, you have to kind of fuzz over some of the IDW continuity because there was just so much of it before, right. you know, the universe really matured and, and solidified. And I'm okay doing that. Um, and you know, not everyone's going to be, but it, it makes for a much more interesting version of that character than like creepy. I, I adore Megatron and am sometimes just a drone when I talk, mm -hmm. uh, kind of guy. 
Um, TJ, what about you? Like, what's a, what's a morally gray Transformers character you are into? Uh, I think the easy answer that missed this list was Dinobot. Oh, yeah. Yeah, for yeah, sure. Yeah. Yeah. He started off as a character who was going after, basically going after power among, you know, whatever side he could take it from because he thought Megatron screwed up the plan to begin with. And then by the time he found out Megatron had gotten it right, he had already gained this respect for the Maximals, friendship for some of them. And just watching his growth through season one and then the his his own war within his own mind over where he stood in season two was always interesting for me to watch. It's what made him like he, he, he at the time he was like the most you know, the the deepest character we'd had in Transformers. Mm-hmm. So at that point, we didn't have any, you know, anything beyond the old comic books and the cartoons to really gain anything off of. Oh, yeah. Uh, yeah for, for a good long time, you know, like like IDW Prowl is now, like Dinobot became another poster child, like this is a good character kind of character. Mm-hmm. Like, I do love what IDW is doing with some of these. You know, I like... You know, I like the repentant sound wave. I like what they're, I like, you know, like Megatron, you know, being very uh, self-aware of what he became and how different it is from what he intended to be. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I like that. I love the Thundercracker, too. Um, to throw something non-IDW, just kind of take it all the way back. I was always, a def- I always defended G1 Rodimus. Oh, Yeah. I mean, he's. I, I would. I would almost say he's not so much morally gray as as much as he is like. Um, well, we're not, not not a not a you know for the main protagonist he wasn't Superman. Well, we're we're talking. We're not just talking morally gray so much as layers and depth to character. Yeah, yeah, and especially in the context of the G one cartoon when nobody had space to have layers, he came right. very close. Yeah, you had a character who was thrust into the suddenly thrust into leadership of a four million year old war and he's the one kind of responsible for getting the previous leader who's the greatest leader of all time killed in the first place it's an extremely heavy mantle to wear mm-hmm. and i really i'm really upset that rodimus kind of fell out of favor character wise in media because i always felt that was such an interesting take that we never really got to fully explore. Like animated Optimus kind of did a little bit of that. Whoa. I dropped something. <laughs> Would it be bad if I could guess what you dropped by the sound of it? Let's not interrupt the answer. <laughs> okay. But I'm curious now if you can guess what I dropped. But no, like having that leadership and that big burden thrust upon you is kind of explored in some of the characters he's got. But I, I think they're you never really had the potential that you had with G1 Rodimus and you never really saw that fulfilled. Um, well, number one, Aaron guessed correctly. Uh, number two, I, I agree with you that like the stories I wanted to see with G1 Rodimus got told with other characters called Optimus, basically. Mm-hmm. Well, um, here as, as TJ was talking, I kind of also thought about another one that probably slipped all of our minds, uh, getting out of IDW, what about uh, Beast Wars Dinobot? TJ literally said Beast Wars Dinobot at length um, as his first answer. Did he? Okay. <laughs> I, I was was thinking Rodimus, not that. Sorry. I was. <laughs> my right. brain went different ways. Okay, cool. That's what we get for recording early. All right. Fine, I'll show yeah, up. Super early at 5.30 p.m. 
six thirty U.S. <laughs> right. Time US, changes. U.S. Well, no. time. And now we, it's six thirty. Yeah. We started. You know. Yeah. Well, shut up. I'll shut up. Now. No, that's all right. <laughs> I'm the one who dropped a Jinrai. That was the answer, by the way. Um, I actually had I had I had two more. One 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 set of IDW ones who are recent, and one who's not comic related. Uh, in IDW, it's not being done extremely well it's being done in, a, in you know occasionally rather sloppily but conceptually i think it's really there and i think part of the reason it's been kind of sloppy is uh it's being done by the writer who then also writes their event books and thus you know all of his ideas seem to get waylaid pretty quickly when one of those is going on is the current state of optimus prime and pyra magna uh like the thing hinted at that they are starting they're so slowly poking at the concept that optimus's mind has been somewhat or his personality has been somewhat futzed with due to combining with prowl and the others when he became optimus maximus so there's bits of prowl left in his brain um i'm really liking that idea and also uh because in the recent annual pyra magna finally got to actually have some dedicated fiction uh yeah that was nice Mm -hmm. yeah like like she's a great example of what i mean where i I think like john barber probably would have written that story like a year ago except that all this other stuff kept going on and John Barber is like, John Barber has really good ideas, but I always feel like he he doesn't get to execute on them as well as I think he could. I don't know if that's, you know, his own doing or the doing of, you know, the situation around him. But now that it's actually getting written, I really like the the take on this character who's like someone who who basically believes like she's supposed to be a Matrix bearer uh, and is is kind of annoyed with the current one. And then also the fact that the current one, because there's bits of prowl stuck in his brain, is like, well, all these religious zealots think I'm God. I'll use that to tell them what to do, because I know what's best. <laughs> and it's like, mm-hmm. that's that's also kind of messed up, but in a cool way. Um, the the non-comic character I wanted to bring up, and he's a guy who actually, much like animated Rodim- or uh, G1 Rodimus, didn't really get a chance to have a storyline play out uh, around him, was animated Ultra Magnus. Uh, we got to see these hints of, you know, in the the way he ended the Great War by creating the the Sentinels, or uh, the, the you know Omega Supreme and the, and the Omega Sentinels, uh, and his mindset behind why he did it, like you know that that whole season it was season three, right, where they they showed kind of that the Autobot victory of the Great War was done in a fairly morally gray sense. Um, I always wish that would come around to bite him. Uh, sometime near the end but you know he gets taken out by shockwave and then the series ends and i think continuity wise it's still kind of ambiguous whether or not he survives that attack um i think the, i think the intention is he doesn't eventually but i'm not, I'm not quite sure i always kind of wish that would come around to get him um because i i really liked the idea that the autobots won the great war by basically engaging in fairly horrific ideas like we're going to create we're going to create new life and we're going to make it too stupid to comprehend the horrific stuff it's going to do. Uh, and that's how we're going to win. And it's like, that's terrible. That is terrible. But uh, story in a, in a story writing sense, that is really cool. So I always wish there was more animated Ultra Magnus because he seemed like a guy who would he seemed like a, a good guy who would eventually become the villain of a story without meaning to. And I, mm-hmm. I, I wanted to see I wanted to see that story. Um. Our last listener question here is from Switchblade, who says, sup, with an apostrophe in front. 
Uh, so a few months ago, I finally managed to get a hold of Titan's Return Mindwipe, and while I really liked the figure a lot, I felt kind of let down because he was the last of the Decepticon Headmaster Beasts. These are three figures that I really, really loved out of this last year, and found myself wishing that Hasbro would just invent one or two new characters to fit in with that group, and I'll just throw in there, uh, who's Apeface? I've never heard of him. Who's, Sna who's Snapdragon? Those two don't sound like characters I know, because I always forget about them, because I'm a terrible person. Uh, Switchblade goes on to say, um... It's a desire that hasn't really gone away, even in the face of great non-zoological Decepticons like Trigger Happy, so I figured I'd make it into a discussion question for the podcast. Now, I'm going to skip the would-you-like-this part, because I'm pretty sure I know the answer. Rook and Alpha Bravo were both big hits in Combiner Wars, and I don't remember any great off-road bonfires of 2015, so I assume he wasn't despised either. So my question isn't would-you-like new members of old G1 subgroups and generations, but instead, what G1 subgroups would you like to see Hasbro create some new members for? And I'm just going to say switch Blade, you're right in the money with me. Uh, I, I love the concept of making new team members for old subgroups. Um, and I'm assuming these two are cool with it too, because I don't remember us ever having a disagreement about that. So, uh, TJ, what subgroups would you like to see some new members for? Hmm. God, that's a lot of subgroups to pour through. It's just like, what's, what's one that's, that you've always like liked and always wish there was more of? Like, just let's grab one. Um, we'll go for an obvious one and just say a Dinobot. Yeah. Because buy for a group that doesn't have a combiner seems like you're intentionally limiting it. And there are like, lots of dinosaurs. There are lots of dinosaurs. I think every kid uh, like who grew up with G1 Transformers grew up with the original Dinobots. Always wish their favorite dinosaur was also a Dinobot. Yeah. Like, I like an Ankylosaurus. That's mine. And... I never really got that Armada kinda with the beat with a with the repainted bazooka, but like you don't get like the heavy G1 art you know, aesthetic that you're looking for with that. Well, and like there there have been other dinosaur transformers, but not as the dino bots. Yeah, really. Or I mean, the beast like, you know, there have been the beast machines, dino bots. The name has been passed around, but not, you know, in that in the gray and gold and red. Yeah. You know, yeah. Yeah, because you want that big robotic look to them. Yeah. Uh, you want that aesthetic that means, yeah, that definitely goes in with them. And I, I was always hoping because they introduced new Dinobots in the last movie, and one of them I adore, his name is Scorn, he's my boy. I always hoped that we would somehow get like a, you know, a reverse path on that. And it would be like, hey, we're going to make up G1 Scorn, and here's what he would have looked like. I, I really <laughs> wish that it happened. Uh because I agree, like, Dinobots, making more of them. The fact that, you know, the moment the movie got the Dinobots, they came up with new ones. Uh, as soon as third parties started doing Dinobots, um, the ones, Planet X's video game Dinobots, they immediately did paddles uh, once they finished the five of them. And Fans Project's Dinobots, they've done, you know, the two uh, female ones, the Raptor and the, the Head Buttosaurus, whose name I always forget. Um, I feel like it's totally open to, to that kind of thing. Um, so, yeah, I, that's totally... That's totally, I'm right there with you. Aaron, what about you? What's a subgroup you always wished had more hey, numbers? I don't know about always wished. But um, right now. But uh, if always is to the moment I first read Switchblade's question, uh, I think the Stunticons. Oh, yeah. I think that like some sort of, if you're going off the idea of that they're like a roadshow stunt thing, then having something like uh, like an acrobatic airplane or something would be interesting to give them 
some some air superiority as the team, but then also be something interesting. Um, oh, yeah, air, show, air shows are always fun, and you see those guys do crazy stunts that are kind of along the lines of what some of the story was for the Stunticons. And the motorcycles and monster trucks, too. Yeah. like that, there, there, there are definitely other places that would fall with their genre. And the, the character concept behind Off-Road and Combiner Wars, I think, is a great way into this fictionally, which is like, hey, one of the Stunticons actually went nuts, so we had to get a new team member. Because mm-hmm. we can't we can't as easily work with Breakneck anymore. And he also calls himself Breakneck now. Not Wild Rider. Like, he went all crazy. And so, like, you know, the fact that they are, you know, a bunch of unhinged Decepticons who also constantly self-injure, ob- to me, it's obvious there would be there would be, you know, a team B to step in when one of them does something really stupid. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, that's a really good one. Um, I've always been just a fan of every subgroup getting new members. There's, there's not really one that's ever been in the back of my head is like, oh, we need to have new members in this. But there there are certainly like there, there are gimmick oriented subgroups I wouldn't have minded seeing more members of, like especially gimmicks that ended up being tied to a combiner team like the Brain Masters. Where it's like, you know, I think Brain Masters is a really cool idea, but there's only four of them. Three of them combine, and one of them's the leader of the show. Um, I wouldn't have minded seeing that gimmick appear some more, you know, or uh, like Brain Masters and Breast Masters are both like gimmicks that felt oddly limited for how pre- prevalent they were in Victory. Mm-hmm. Um, or uh, or more duo cons as well. Like just the idea that like, you know, these experimental technologies like triple changers and duo cons, you know, they resulted in the characters that they did. What if, you know, down the road, some crazy Cybertronian scientist is like, let's try doing it again. And, you know, maybe it turns out slightly different, like a duo con who instead of bisecting at the waist, they bisect straight up the middle, you know, um, that would be kind of cool. Uh, but yeah, uh, I, I, I totally welcome this concept and the more the merrier, especially in combiner groups. You know, I love I love Team B's, uh, you know, fill in limbs. I even like, you know, if, if there was a monster truck Stunticon, what if he turned into an alternate torso? You know, and there was a second Stunticon combiner who's maybe even more unstable and even dumber than Menasaur is. Uh, but he's there in case he's needed. You know, that'd be kind of cool. Anyway, that's four listener questions. Uh, we still have quite a queue of them. Got a new one this last week as well. So uh, no rush, you know, put, put a lot of thought into your listener questions so we can keep barreling through them. Um, with that, let's get into what we got this week. I know we all got some Transformers. TJ, you said you have something that neither of us have, and I really well, want to know what it is. No, no, no. I don't think neither of you have, but I'm just not going to. Yeah, I'm, I, I know it's not going to be anything that you guys got this week. All right. Well, no. You've, no, you've but, literally got my curiosity erect, and I I want to know. Uh, I have now a Henke Dinobot. How? That's been like my one thing I could always use to get you depressed. Now what am I supposed to do? Find something new. I guess. Man, life does change. Yeah. Uh-huh. Okay. How did you get one? What happened? Uh, actually, uh, owed to my friend Will in the UK. There was an there was an eBay auction for one that wasn't a small fortune. That was actually on UK's eBay. Wouldn't ship to the US, so he played middleman for me. Oh, nice. Mm-hmm. I figure with Masterpiece Dinobot coming out now, uh, about the last chance before I, last chance I, to get it while I'm still like really interested in owning it. Yeah. 
Yeah, I mean, I, I'm sure if you wait another year, it'll be easier. But then, it'll, yeah, it'll be like, what's the point? Yeah. Um, it's like that. Well, the toy always escaped me because, like, I don't know the the when it came out, the price was always wrong, and everyone like snatched it up immediately. I still can't believe the way I got mine. It was at a BotCon on the Sunday, and it had just been marked down. And I was like, none of this makes sense. How did you not sell it in the last two days? Why are you marking this down, and why is it still here in the middle of Sunday? Yeah. And I, was, I, I remember, even after I bought it, I was like, is this a trick? Like, is this like a knockoff? <laughs> like, what did I do? <laughs> um, but how do you like them? Uh, it's a wonder what just a different shade of colors does for a toy. Yeah, I've been saying that ever since, what was that, 09? When that thing came out? It's, yeah, it's been a while now. Mm-hmm. That was, you know, that was a Universe 2 toy in America. Yeah, I, I never got the American one, because I, I was like, nah, these colors just look stupid. Yeah. Um, it's like, okay, you know, I get it, you want a Predacon, but you also want the most popular Beast Wars character? Okay, you're splitting the difference the wrong way here. Yeah. No one, no one cares about beige and purple Dinobot. Uh, it just made it, it accentuated all the worst parts of him. Whereas the Henke one, in my opinion, does the absolute best with that mold you could ever ask for. Yeah. Like given what he does, what he's supposed to be, I think a, a, that might be as close to as you could get at a retail level to like actually accomplishing that Dinobot character. Yeah, and, and to this, like until we see it. I I am expecting exposed rib cage on the masterpiece one. Yeah, like I don't know how they're not going to do that. Yeah, and and that's not like a slight against it. Like I think masterpiece Cheetor looks great in Cheetah mode. He's got a lot of gaps, but he also looks great. His silhouettes there, and I'm sure that's what masterpiece Dinobot's really going to hit. But like we're going to see robot bits in that Dino mode. Like I don't see a way around it. <laughs> yeah, if they could, they are much better designers, and we give them credit. Yeah. To be fair, there was the uh there was the uh 3D produced Dinobot that was going around that did seem to pull off both modes pretty good. This is true. This is true. Um, it's it's it may be like physically capable more than we expect. Yeah, and and now that I've got Masterpiece Cheetor and it's clear that they're not going to try to make every Masterpiece Beast Wars figure as ratchet loaded as Primal, like there's a bigger chance that they're going to pull some magic. I just want to go in expecting exposed rib cage so that if it doesn't happen, I'll be twice as happy. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but, uh, oh, congratulations. Like, that's oh. that's been a... Ever since we started this podcast... Well, no, we started this podcast before the figure came out. But for at least a good three to five years, that's been something that comes up at least, like, two or three times a year. Mm-hmm. Yeah, th- that's been on my to-get list. It's very high on my to-get list for a long time now. Yeah. I'm going to forget you have it, I'm really sure. <laughs> and I'm going to, like, crack one of those jokes again. It's going to be weird when that happens. Because <laughs> it'll expose how bad my memory is. <laughs> and uh, how's the chrome holding up? Like, was it was it mint in box or was it used? Um, It was used, but it still had the box in good condition. That's like, good. You know, the plastic wasn't cut or anything. The tape was carefully undone to get it out. So definitely a collector owned. Cool. Yeah, that was, it's the Henke Chrome thing. Uh, we have to have Chrome on the toy somewhere, and there's part of me go, that makes the most sense, because that's his sword. Yeah. And there's also part of me that goes, chroming a missile's the dumbest thing you could do. 
Well, I mean, so I forgot, cause, you know, now that MP Cheetor is out and there's all the photos going around showing him next to Universe Cheetor, uh, which is kind of a mean thing to do to Universe Cheetor. Like, that's <laughs> that's just mean. Uh, I, w- I was like, I forgot what Henke Cheetor looks like. And I went to look him up. Did you know? Do you remember what the chrome part on him was? Oh, no, I don't. His entire robot mode head is the chrome part. <laughs> None of the rest of his body is chrome, just his <laughs> robot mode head, which I can see the theme, you know, the idea would be like, well, that's a shiny piece on his CG model. Like, I kind of get it, but also just, I don't know, Vac Metal is head. <laughs> there, we did it. <laughs> 10K. Um, that was the 10K thing. You remember, like, Grimlock came out and they chromed his legs. Yeah, or Galvatron, they chromed the turret in silver oh, yeah. mirror chrome. Uh, or you know, Henke Cyclonus with just his randomly shiny wings. That was so stupid. That, that's what why I don't own a lot of Henke toys is I just really didn't like the way that looked. Um, I remember when I was I remember I was in Japan when Henke launched the the launch day of Henke. I was there, uh, and I got my Megatron and my Optimus, and then or no, just the Megatron. I might have got the Optimus later. I can't remember now. But then I saw like you know, I saw Grimlock. I think I know I saw Bumblebee, and I was like, this looks kind of stupid. Um, well, congratulations again. Uh, Aaron, I know you got some things this week that I got, or at least I'm able to talk about as well. Mm-hmm. So let's, let's get into your things. Okay. Uh, the reason why I could recognize that you dropped Ginrai is because I also just got Ginrai. Yep. Sounded like his legs were the thing that were making that noise. Um, so uh, here, hold on. Let me grab power master prime so i can have kind of finally the in hand side by side comparison so uh i didn't look at any coverage of how jinrai transforms mm-hmm. uh I, I i and i know you guys probably had mentioned it at some point and i just forgot i i i went in blind i wanted to mess with him without instructions so mm-hmm. i i was pleasantly surprised by how his feet deploy and right. i was kind of laughing when i realized he has telescoping arms yeah. Um, and then I was very sad when I realized that those larger flaps on his arms don't actually close cleanly. They just kind of hang. Yeah. So that looks like it's the exact same piece. Yes. It's the exact same piece from um, Power Master Prime. Okay. Whereas his, like, the the inside part of that has to fold up because he has the telescoping arms. Yeah, and so I folded up the inside little flap where it has a tab and everything, and I was like, all right, yeah. sweet. And then I was like, I wonder how this is going to cleanly close up, and then it doesn't. And and then, yeah, it doesn't. <laughs> that was that was one thing that I was I was kind of disappointed in. Yeah. Um, just that it's like, you, you've done that part. Why not kick? Because you're already having to remold that top hinge piece. It'd be nice if there was some, like double pivot in there so there's just like a little double piece so that it could get out thick past that but still be flat with um how the how the rest of it sits for the the roof of the the trailer yeah i felt i just i felt like i was doing something wrong for a good minute Mm -hmm. um especially because i had no instructions uh with me and i didn't want to open them up and i peeked in them and i was like oh this is all i do okay right i looked at the box photos and i was like i never noticed how they hung open like that (laughs) Yeah, but yeah, the way that his feet are, are different is neat. I like that it gives um, some ankle tilt to it that Power Master Prime doesn't have, or or Ultra Magnus. Like this, or this Ultra solves Magnus, my yeah. biggest problem with this mold. 
hey, we've got the hard, you know, hip ratchet points, but only flat feet, so I'm only standing on the inside angle if you have it posed right, so it's using the the uh, the cut of the foot. But yeah. beyond that, it's pretty close to being the same. I, do, I like that the cab of the truck is more G1-y to line up with, like, what Powermaster Optimus Prime really was. Yeah. And a couple of the other features are changed up a little bit to match that. I really like how, like, there's no, there's no good reason why I like it. I just like that the fold-up chest piece, like, instead of being one piece that folds up, there are two little mm-hmm. pieces that you swivel now. Right. I wonder if part of that is due to how Gob Bomber is going to integrate. Absolutely, yeah. Um, if, if, like, the pieces that you swivel, you, like, maybe fold downwards in order to give it a double place to hitch together or something weird. I don't know. Yeah. No, it's, it's, it felt like for a toy that I was, you know, I like the concept of this toy, but I know I don't really like Ultra Magnus as much as other people do. Mm-hmm. Uh, I was very pleasantly surprised how much just that the ankle tilts fixed my biggest, you know, tactile problem with that figure. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I just looking all around, there's not a ton that's necessarily different. Some slightly different apps is like trailer Autobot logo is much smaller on Ginrai than it was on Prime. I kind of wish that his shoulders where the Autobot logos are had the backfill of silver paint that Powermaster Prime has. Mm. But beyond that, I mean, his head is... uh, Let's see if that is... Yeah, his head isn't quite like the Voyager Prime head. Either so it's not like the like the Orion Pax ish face, and yeah, that head is a more G one Optimus head, where the I've got the the um the triple Voyager changer Pri- the the triple changer Prime here, yeah. and that is another different Prime head, where so that it's... has a more visible center crest. So this is like our third Optimus Prime. If we're head? gonna call the Orion Pax looking head an Optimus Prime head, yeah, yeah. well, some sometimes that faceplate comes off in the comics. It's true, um, but yeah, like the the hip ratchets on this guy also feel a lot nicer. Yeah, they 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 don't feel as like they're still there, but the the Power Master Prime one is more katung katung, and actually, hold on, he has different hips. Oh, like the between the two of them, the hip pieces. The hip pieces, yeah. The the Jinrai has like molded potential tab spots on them. The backs of them are the same. No, no, they're different. Hmm. I'm finding new stuff all the time. But yeah, yeah so that's an entirely top that top hip part is entirely new. If all this stuff carries through to the gift set version, that gift set's gonna be a great deal yeah, for a lot of if, people. If if that does carry on and you haven't gotten Power Master Prime yet, I would say gift set. Yeah, well, especially given the aftermarket prices that appeared on this guy, which are ridiculous. Yeah, like, I was. This is this was a very old pre-order at Big Bad uh, yeah. that had been sitting in in my uh, uh, pile of loot for quite a while because that was, I think, it was on the show uh, a week, a couple of shows ago, where it was all of a sudden like, oh no, wait, they want what? Oh, I bet they would love if I canceled this pre-order so that they could. Uh, make another 50 bucks or whatever yeah and like like paying paying that much money for this toy is just going to make the faults that still exist in the toy stick out even more Mm -hmm. like like he he solves my problems with the figure but when you turn him into a triple digit high-end toy 
like he's got because he's got these longer feet now, which give him more stability and make me like him more. It also mm-hmm. means that the rear wheels of his trailer are just these giant ankle things that just yeah. the more you tilt his foot, the more they stick off of the sides of his ankles. Um, and on a figure that if you're paying like, you know, what is it now they want? Like a hundred something. Um, let me look right now. Like 125 or something. One twenty five is less than last time I saw it. Oh really? <laughs> yeah, it it went up significantly. Yeah, that just blew my mind. It's, it's like this isn't a good enough toy to pay that much money for. Oh, what's what's it? Do you get there quicker than me? Uh, our price one forty nine ninety nine and sold out. That has to be that they saw the news about the gift set one and are just pulling the stock down for a bit. But the like, gift set one is theirs, right? Yeah. Wasn't theirs the the one that gifts it? So I wonder if that's just since they have enough presence now with Hasbro to be like, look, this thing is selling through and we can't get these anymore. So how about a gift set? Man, yeah, you kind of I mean, it, there's probably a good chance that's not what happened, but I, I, I don't think your reasoning is unsound. Like that does make some sense when you say it like that. Mm hmm. I'm not sure. After Battle Unicorn and Dark Energon exclusives kind of lingered for so long, I don't know if they have that pull. The thing is, they they also had the pull to buy them. Hasbro doesn't care if Big Bad buys 10,000 and then never sells them because Hasbro sold them. Right, right. Now, Big Bad would be the one that's like, man, we've had these two kind of duds. Do we want to do it again? That's a different question. But if you go to Hasbro and you say, hey, I'd like to make X thousand number of units, what can we do? I mean, I would bet you as an individual, if you showed up with proof that you have the money to pay for it, could go to Hasbro and say, hey, I'd like to make a set like this. Here's a big old chunk of money. You want to do it? They'd say, well, maybe yes. Um, there, there was one thing I remembered from the comic now that came with Jinrai that I didn't want to mention where they – they came up with uh, like there's a bit in the comic where where Jinrai is sitting in the in the seat in the cab, mm-hmm. and then he transforms. Uh, and you know how the seat like you know folds up to turn into the helmet. When mm-hmm. he when he when he when that happens, Jinrai sitting in the seat yells "chair up," which might be a reference to how Star Saber when his head would would rise up, he'd be all like "battle up." So Jinrai is like "chair up." There's something about that that I found quite fun. Um, yeah, this is, this is a, this is like the version of this, like between all three, or I guess four, if you include Japanese Ultra Magnus versions of this, this design, this is the one for me. Mm-hmm. Um, and I have, I have, I still need to, to put it on. I have the X2 toys add on set for Ultra Magnus to give him ankle tilts and better arms. Um, I just haven't gone through with applying all that stuff yet. Uh, so once I do that, I, I think I'll be really happy with this mold again. It's just the stock, the stock Ultra Magnus and stock Titans Return Power Master Prime. Just the, the, the immobile ankles and the, the way the feet were sculpted, the way the hip ratchets worked, it always just bothered the crap out of me. Yeah. But uh, yeah, this one this one's great. And also, you know, the the hands having wrist swivels now just adds a certain something. Yeah. Yeah, um, especially and also the fact that they're not backed by the back part of that swivel piece of that swivel behind piece. Yeah. Where that's that's the issue that um like the the Vangsta guns do a decent job of like using that a little bit to help hold the big gun, but at the same time, like 
it'd be a whole lot better if that wasn't there because also because of that you can only use like the guns that are designed to go in his hands versus with the the Genrai ones that can use anything that anybody else can hold. And they they designed some some new guns for him too, which are pretty cool. Um, yeah, I'm not sure because it has like the tops of each of the guns can go together, and it almost looks like it makes a combiner like the the or the the um, Titan Master seat. Oh, it does. It, um, so does, it, will a Titan Master actually sit in that? Yeah. So the it's okay. not it's not obvious where the heel tab goes, but there are two small square tabs which go into the back of the Titan Master shins, uh, and that's how he sits on it. Oh, okay. I guess I just never. I, it looked screwy enough that I didn't toss a head on there and how do i not have a head just floating around on my <laughs> desk here That's... i know where you can find a head look at the head of the robot where yeah, are well, my it heads has, it, ha- it has it has the big cover on it where and are my like, heads at G- ginrai is painted very well yeah it does it will kind of hold yeah. that together even oh, though yeah, the guns I mean, don't quite tab together G- ginrai is painted really well and that is par for the course it's the reason why i'm so interested in the japanese versions of these toys is well-painted titan masters just does something for me yeah um it, it the thing is because it's small and there's only so much detail that can go into it by painting what's there it allows it to be kicked up a notch yeah like i i jumped on that um six pack from um whatever the the, the toy show was where you know like it's the six american heads mm-hmm. but given takara tomi levels of paint work on the titan master mo- modes and uh like I'm, I'm really stoked about those. I just, I love well painted Titan Masters. They look so good to me. Mm-hmm. Um, are you at all, or TJ, since you've got this figure too, are 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 you at all? Any of you interested in the the perfect effect stuff they're doing um, between the new Power Master, the replacement head, the replacement cab that has its own robot mode? Like, is any of that stuff hitting you? Mm, not really. I, I'm very happy with what I got, and I think I've spent plenty on that toy. Mm. I know that's just me. I've never been big on spending a whole bunch of money just for somewhat being upgraded. I like I'm kind of interested in the cab having its own robot mm. mode cuz that looks kind of fun. Um the new Power Master and LED head are out and they are falling into the same place that some of the Combiner Wars add-ons fell into where it's like like, Perfect Effect will release some stuff that I think is really priced well, but then there's stuff where I just don't feel the bang for your buck. Like, I think it was like, oh, what was it? 35 American for the Power Master and the new head? I can't remember now. But I, I remember it was like more, especially when con- converted to Canadian dollars, it was more than I wanted to spend on that little effect. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it kind of kind of bums me out that, like, the separate cab Jinrai coming out is just sort of assuming you bought that set so that like it, it just doesn't have uh, a, a combined mode head. Um, like you could just uh, since they use the same mounting point, I'm sure you could just pop in the one off of this toy. But I don't know. There's something about the, the price on that one that that put me off. Yeah, it was 35 American. Um, I really like the ideas. I like that it comes with thigh fillers. It's actually my favorite part. But uh I, I as much as I trust these guys, I really want to see proof that like official God Bomber will work with the Perfect Effect cab in place. Like they have a whole thing on the pre-order splash going like we have the pegs that this one has for God Bomber, but I'm like, you can't have tested those. Right. You can only mathematically get them right, 
And what if what if on the official and, one there's something off that could have been fixed up? You know? Oh, it hooks onto something else that you didn't see, or hey, it's a little bit thicker here than you thought it was going to be. Mm-hmm. There's these little tabs that hook mm-hmm. underneath the part that you couldn't have even predicted. Yeah, like I I really want I that's something I do not want to be an early adopter on as much as I adore the concept. Um, but man, am I stoked for God Bomber now? Is when's he out? Like, was it? I want to please tell me it's before June. I think it's May. Okay. Yeah, it was looking like it has a potential to be a birthday gift for myself. Yeah, I I gotta know. I gotta I gotta see how this looks when it's all put together. Like, friggin' classics, God Jinrai out of nowhere. Makes me happy. Um, Aaron, uh, anything else this week that you want to talk about? Six shot. Yeah, I saw some of your social media posts, and uh, uh, yeah, I guess I, I could have warned you more that, as so, far as I know, that toy universally has bad knees. Out of the I, bo- I out of know. The I, I'd seen kind of universally that he did have loose knees. Yeah. But the other issue that I have is the, um, and you can hear it here. I'm posing his arm upwards, like outward some, and it it will not hold an outward pose on his arm at all. That sucks. Um, which it doesn't it doesn't necessarily affect his transformation into some other things, um, because most of the time that art that is tucked in, but it just kind it's kind of rough, especially with. Like, the way that his chest wing things are, you kind of want to give a little bit of outward splay of the arm to get you around it a little bit so they're not just pointed forward to get out of the way. Mm-hmm. And then it just burp drops down. Um, but I I enjoyed having six shot to flip back and forth through things. And then I went and I grabbed my other six shot. I think the other, like the G1 six shot, actually is better for six modes. So the Titan's Return six shot, he he didn't age very well in the short time I've had him. In that, uh, I really like him, but I especially having gotten Black Shadow, Titan's Return six shot needed to lock together better in four of his modes. Yes, his like uh, the tank mode where you have the turret like his legs over top of his over, over top of the vehicle. Yeah. Um, I really wish that that clips together somehow. It's just because, what is it? I think it's the car mode where his arms just click into the sides. Yeah. And I loved that moment. And then I was like, well, I wish I had that moment on his four other vehicle modes or, mm-hmm. you know, non-robot modes. Because, like, his robot mode, I like. The car mode, I like. Uh, the quadruped mode, once I realized that's what the ankle tilts were for, I liked. Right. And then I don't dislike his other three modes it's just that they feel more fan modey than they should because of the lack of locking points. Right, uh, like a bunch of the weird, you know, R.I.D. Megatron fan modes. Yeah. You know, oh, it turns into a giraffe. Okay, well, yeah, I guess I can kind of see a giraffe out of that. And it's like if it's these... a submarine. No, it looks like an upside. Uh, what? It's like it's like if these two parts clicked together, I'd feel like this was more intentional. Yeah. But because they don't, it feels more fan modey. Yeah. If his if his tank mode turrets click together. If any of the other modes where his arms lay alongside the body, yeah, it it clicked together, it would feel so much better. I like again, that was a point where I thought maybe I was missing something and I poured through the instructions because I was like not only do his arms like click together, but like you're even extending a piece in right. the arms so that they will lock together in car mode. And I'm like why and, isn't this happening and for the any of the other modes? And the rough thing is is that there's like tabs in a couple of places that 
could easily be just like toss a tab down on his leg or on the side of the car front chunk thing that would that would hold this and it would go a lot further along to make it feel like these are intentional and i mean Mm. you know and and just with that and the knees being the way that they are and especially which i acknowledge it's very likely the one off of the the outward motion of the his his right arm um it's just all a bunch of stuff that like man i had a whole lot of high hopes that i don't know maybe how much i was holding even higher on my own fault but Mm. I this is going to be weird on mine. The knees were actually they were looser out of the box than they were about an hour later. No, mine are still ah, okay. like I they're not free shake loose. No, they just feel bad. Right. But they don't they don't hold up against back pressure. Yeah. Now, you he, know, he, you can you can pose. But if you don't have you know, if you've got your legs even close to being towards each other, He's going to try and, like, bow yeah, at his, his knees backwards. His knees just or, being, like, a pin shot through the parts feels, like, so bad. Right. Um, for, for all of the other really good parts in him. And it definitely feels like a spot. And, it, and it's likely because it has to rotate so much because of the way that everything works. Yeah. With that, that they couldn't have, I mean, I'm sure they could have engineered some sort of, like, side ratchet in order to help hold things, but... Um, and it's stuff that I can, like, I can understand where it's gone bad. You know, the way that the arm is loose on mine because it has the weird double hinge thing to get forward or back for his arms Mm -hmm. for various modes. Yeah, I get it, I guess. Um, I dig the way that his wings disappear into his chest. Oh yeah. There's there's such good stuff on him. There, there are plenty of neat tricks. I like the fact that, you know, the only time you even kind of need to take his headmaster out of his neck hole is if you want to fill in the big hole in the back of the wolf head. Yeah, and I, I love the fact that it's like his, you know, the the brain that is his head mode is moving to the brain of the wolf. Right. You know? Like, that's that's really cool. And, it, and he has a ton of the mini con or not the mini con, the, the foot peg holes hidden on him. Oh, yeah. You know, he's got a couple that show up when you have the wolf head out. He's got sets on the wings i think on both sides nope just the outside or inside of the wing but i like that part of the integration of the the titan master headmaster gimmick stuff but it's just like man i you know they had to have original six shot and just like part of what makes that toy so nice is the clunk click yeah and it's not on the titan master version and and like I said, you know, I and I don't dislike Six Shot. I actually I do like that figure a lot. It's just like after getting Black Shadow, Black Shadow took so much shine off of Six Shot. Mm-hmm. Um, like like you know, for still being like something that you know parts forms to turn into two different vehicles, but like Black Shadow just executes so well at that size, and result and also the robot mode just feels a little bit better in many mm-hmm. ways than Six Shots, which. In some ways, I find really surprising given what Black Shadow is having to do. Um, mm-hmm. That it, it just it felt like a better figure, and it, it made Six Shot. It made me more realistic about Six Shot faster. Right. Um, I'm just sitting here doing some head comparison. Like, okay, he will fit in there. Yeah, the Triple Changers Prime head will fit inside the the helmet box. For I was just concerned about as I was sitting here since I didn't have a ton of headmasters 
out in the living room. I hope I can find that again later. Uh, Dropping things. Yeah, uh, just like filtered down between two gnaws. Um, <laughs> I was just looking at as tight as like the helmet was to like the, the cheek armor that's on the uh, on Revolver, I think is his name's yep. head. Um, I was concerned that maybe some of the other stuff wouldn't fit, but it looks like they they actually did a good job with the bounding box for the the four heads I just tossed on it in rapid succession. Mm-hmm. But yeah, it's there's a lot of potential here that feels like it's it it's close. It's like a it's like a B minus. Yeah. I'm not right. I'm not expecting it, but like, man, how cool would it be if the Takaratomi version pulls like Unite Warriors Devastator stuff or you oh, know, yeah. Jinrai stuff and like just add little remolds here and yeah, there? Yeah, we, we add a, a double sliding like pivot thing in the middle of his legs so that the tank mode can be a solid piece. And oh, yeah, we just molded tabs that Hasbro left out for whatever dumb reason. Yeah, like, I would just love to see a second pass taken on that figure, just to address some of those little things, because, like, I, he's out of the box, it's such a good first impression, I just, I wish mm-hmm. the shine lasted longer. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it, it, it's, uh, it's, it's an impressive piece, nonetheless, like, especially given the reaction I would have had to someone saying, yeah, they're gonna do a really good, you know, very on-the-mark six shot as a leader-class toy during Titan's Return, you know, tell me that two years ago, I'd be like, you're crazy, that's not mm-hmm. gonna happen. How's he gonna have six modes? Um, I'm glad you got him, and I'm you know I'm guessing you didn't overpay, which is an important thing with that six shot. Yeah, that was that was part of the big bad box. It was a couple bucks over. However, everything locally had been showing up um, at targets, and my target has four liter sky warps. Hey, and that's the same. DCPI, DPCI, D whatever, 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 um, as the Titans Return leaders. Yeah. So, unless I wanted to buy four of those, sit on them long enough, and then return them, like, damaged so they couldn't sell them anymore, uh, I would be waiting for a while. And since I had <laughs> a box... buy them, stick a knife through them, return yeah. them, go like, there was a knife mark. Yeah. Um... So since since it ended up being like that, I thought, well, I already had a pile of loot coming, tossing that on and saving me the, you know, OCD levels of continuing to hit target looking for it. Um, yeah, would would reduce some stress. But then yeah. my my other thing in that box of loot was masterpiece Cheetah's Beast yeah. War. Uh, I've been messing with that toy a lot since the last recording, and mm-hmm. I'm liking it more. Yeah, I've I've gone through two full cycles of transformation, and the second time I liked it a little bit better. Um, I'm still super nervous about his whiskers. So here's the thing, and I would like it as I don't want to be the one who does it. I would like someone to disassemble one of the heads to confirm if I'm right or not. I have a feeling that the whiskers are not six pieces, but are just three very long pieces. And if they are, then I feel way better about them. Oh, you're saying get rid of, like, that last screw? Yeah, because I think that each whisker is a lot, like, every, you know, left-right whisker is one long piece threaded through. Right, I could see that. That's probably, as, as, as somebody that's taken manufacturing engineering, that I could see that being a, 
a uh, a thing that gets done, and that putting the like nose since there's a mold line that goes down the the like cheetah tier lines. Yeah. I could see that easily being a thing that crimps it in place. Because because my main worry it wasn't so much they were getting that they get you know pushed against his cheeks. Mm-hmm. It was more that if they get pushed against his cheeks and something goes wrong, are they going to get ripped out? Right. But if they're a long piece that runs through, that can't happen, or at least not very not not during a transformation anyway. Right. Uh, and that or that instantly made me feel a lot better about the figure. Um, mm-hmm. Also, I kind of got to know how his mostly it's his cheetah mode i got to know how his midsection works a bit better and is, I, is there a way to not make it wobble no it doesn't lock okay um because that, that was my one concern in all of my like posing him as a cat is just like constant wobble 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 so it's like i have yeah. to put him down holding him so that he's not you know arched back so he he has the the cheetah curve to him yeah and then because that, that that midsection thing, it doesn't lock, but it's a tight enough joint that sometimes, if it's you know, if the temperature gets cold, it'll hold together mm-hmm. better on mine. And I think that that joint, because he's already got so many little bits and pieces of robot showing here and there, I think it might also be there to, in part, be like, hey, if you really want, here's like a, an ab joint for cheetah mode. If you don't care too much about it making a bigger gap, mm-hmm. um, and then you know, I tried posing his cheetah mode. Uh, I got to know, you know, what the base, you know, that it doesn't tab together. So if I just hold his midsection like this and pose him, then I'm doing all I can do. And I, I once I got to know the limitations of the figure, I got to actually like it a lot better. And I, I really appreciate now how this toy works. Um, my old, The only thing now about him that I kind of don't like is his robot mode hands kind of suck at holding the guns. Um, yeah. Like, you the, know, one of them the, tabs in and that's fine, but the bigger gun is like... Well, so does your gut gun always angle inward Yeah, as he's holding it? Okay. But that, I just, I just he, bend the he, wrist joint out. He, right. He's got that to, to, to bend out. Um, But yeah, that was the issue that I had was... Yeah. Like, that gut gun was always angled in from... Like, if he's, his hand is pointed forwards, it's in, like, 20 degrees or so. Because I don't think he holds his guns very well, and I think he has one of the worst examples of the masterpiece knuckle joint that anyone has had in this mm-hmm. line for a while. Because if you fold that knuckle open, his second knuckle is locked at, like, a 90-degree bend, mm-hmm. and it just looks terrible if you try to if you don't have his hands closed at all times. And uh, and I just feel let down by that to some degree. Same thing with Primal. You know, he had he has the same thing. I, it's probably becoming my least favorite thing about Masterpiece in general is the way that the hands kind of just feel like a step back from everything else happening. Um, and it, that, it's a good thing if that's my biggest problem. Right. <laughs> but it certainly is an ongoing problem. His, his tail gun is kind of weird to me and that I... It feels like for how it works, it should actually tab better. Yeah. And then it just it just like holds out or just hangs out in like space by itself. It's well, weird. It, it doesn't have a palm tab, so it doesn't mm-hmm. actually lock into his palm. Right. And then you can't have his forearm chunks folded up all the way if it's in there because of the amount of tail hanging underneath. Mm-hmm. And it's weird because that, I like how much the tail gun transforms. Like, the the number of steps to turn it into a gun right. and the amount of tabs that lock everything in place is great, but then it stops. And I'm like, he still can't hold it all that well. Yeah. But no, I was really surprised at the uh, the amount of action that goes on in his, like, legs. Yeah. For his robot mode legs, just the way that the panels kind of slide around each other 
um, for like his shin in order to get all that to line up and then lock it all in place. And uh, that and, that and um, what was the the other engineering thing? The, oh, the fact that you kind of get nine faces for the cat mode. Yeah, with the, the, the way that you rip eyes. his eyeballs out and jam them in a new head. Did you? Did you? Did it take? I don't even know if you found this out. Did you realize his neutral face has an opening mouth? Yes. Okay, because I didn't for like a whole day. I was like, yeah. oh, it's weird how if I wanted to have an open mouth, I have to swap the head. This looks like there's a joint, and then it was just paint stuck. Oh, <laughs> it opened, yeah, mine, like, ah. mine had mine had just like a little bit of of open when I got it. Okay, it was just the tiniest like. Err. Just, just starting on a phenome, and was I could get like a fingernail in there and pop it open. But yeah, I think the the transformation on this guy is ridiculously impressive. Yeah, uh, like especially given how it cheats the cheetah face, but then cheats literally nothing else. Yeah, and that's the I mean the cheetah face is the new the, the thing that you knew was going to have to get just faked yeah. around. The, the universe, I, I was, was going to say the che- cheating the cheetah face, but cheat cheat but. the cheetah. Yeah, the che- che- cheetah face. Yeah, like if they use the real cheetah head, then it would have looked like the universe toy, or would it would have looked mm-hmm. like Razor Claw? Would wouldn't have looked like Cheetor as much, right? But like it, it, it is a good th- piece of transforming tech. Uh, I just, I, I'm, st- I'm over it now for the most part. But I had set myself up to assume he would feel the same way Primal feels, mm-hmm. and he does not at all. And it's not that's not. An insult that's not a negative necessarily. It just is something that I really didn't expect. Uh, is how much more finicky he feels. He, he still feels very durable, given the report. How many reports there are of people breaking the shoulders? He feels pretty darn durable for how small the moving parts are. Mm-hmm. Um, I had I did go in and loosen the screw on one of the shoulders to try to make it a bit easier to rotate outwards without feeling like I'm putting pressure on the small bits. Um, okay. The only thing that I have had. Uh kind of ongoing issue with is his the when you cross the front legs across each other yeah that's the the one thing i've had like pain points of trying to get all of that lined up in a way that feels okay yeah it's always going to feel a bit awkward i think like for me i just i i just my aim is get the peg to line up with the hole and then mm-hmm. once once i do that usually it'll it'll kind of foots itself into a position where the hinge will work as well yeah um i didn't you know all these years i forgot that that actually is what his cg model looks like because mm-hmm. I, I remember thinking when I, when I transformed the toy i was like why are they doing this and then uh i i saw a comment on a youtube video where i think it's chosen prime where you know the reviewer just assumed like this is a really weird idea uh and it doesn't seem like something from from the cg models because we're so used to those cg models cheating so much Right. And then, you know, several commenters went like, no, actually, the CG model just did that. Mm-hmm. It is weird. <laughs> but yeah, that's uh, that's been fun. He's going to go into the office probably tomorrow and uh, mm-hmm. stand on my Lego heavy lift helicopter right next to Primal. Yeah. Oh, I'm 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 really impressed with these Masterpiece Beast Wars figures mm-hmm. like it's, you know, Primal's oh, one thing to turn a you know a a ape into a humanoid figure yeah okay yeah that's i mean i, I they did a great job with it I'm, mm. I'm not going to try and and talk that down but you know it's it's a shape into basically the same shape it, it's inherently less impressive right uh but cheetah into 
uh, humanoid robot where like really the only thing that terribly gives it away on the cheetah is like up by the cheetah's front armpits and the backs of his legs. Yeah. And the like big hole underneath him. And even then the backs of his legs reshape in such a clever way. Oh, so much. So yeah. That it's just like, he's got stuff hanging out on the backs of his legs that, oh yeah, make everything on his legs work. I just wish, um, because the instructions actually, I think were, were some of the weaker masterpiece instructions I've seen. Because that mm-hmm. last moment when you accordion the entire upper torso into the smaller upper torso. That that was the reason why I was so nervous about the whiskers. Because I kept looking yeah. at that and I know I'd seen, I think it might have been your tweet or somebody else's tweet of like, yeah, and there's a pocket for the whiskers. And I'm just sitting there going, bull there is. I'm not oh, no, saying, I'm, I'm the one who said there wasn't. That was my <clears> big problem. I'm not saying, okay, that, that might have been what it was. I was attributing yeah. you saying something positive when in reality you said something negative. Yeah, because that's all you yeah. know. <laughs> Um, well, I, I think what, what I tweeted was like, I'm so worried about the whiskers. I'm almost like if I'm going to leave him in robot mode, I might just take the cheetah head off because you can do that and he'll still turn into a robot that looks fine. I didn't even friggin think about that. Yeah. Like you can just take the cheetah head off if you're worried about the whiskers. Yeah. I might. Your, I your might. Parts forming it. I might just do that. Well, I mean, and it is something that's entirely internal. And that was each place that I was pushing, trying to make things work. It was that's part of what was making me nervous about it. Yeah. Was just how all of that fit in there. And if I could just eliminate that. Yeah. You can just pop it off because of the head swaps. Yeah. Um, yeah. Like because that that moment is actually like really close to being the ma- I think the legs are a bigger masterpiece moment. Mm-hmm. But that torso collapse is so all encompassing. Yeah. It's very impressive. <sighs> but the instructions introduce it as like two and a half pictures. Right. And it's like, this is not enough information. Uh, I really like I don't know if Takar told me might have put one up and I just missed it. But I was like, this is where an instructional video from the designers would really have helped. Yeah. And that's where what I was having the issue with was of everything coming together was between the whiskers and that. And then like the piece that plugs in just underneath his robot head. That's the blue like bib little tiny yeah. piece oh, and the, was, and the was trying make to that get even all of that lined up and i'm sitting yeah i was sitting there looking at those like two and a frame photos trying to figure out like okay you've been great about everything else and you just like went to the end and like oh no we only have space for two more pictures uh i don't know get something close yeah when it's like the the piece de resistance of pulling everything together was kind of was kind of saddening it's one of those one of those cases where and i said i think i've said this a lot now where i'm just like if you make transforming robot toys in your company, get a YouTube page and make a video of one of your designers or engineers or someone who knows the toy who helped make it transforming it to show me how you intend it to be transformed. Cause as much as it is helpful when like YouTube people like myself or other channels make instructional videos, we didn't make the toy. Right. So we're still coming at it from enough of an outside vantage point. There's a chance we're getting something wrong. And right. I'm like, I'm like the medium is right here. And there are every now and then Takara Tomi puts up these instructional videos or, you know, Bandai will put up an instructional video for like Soul Chogokin Gaugaigar or some of the Chogokin mm-hmm. Macross Delta Jets. And I'm like, this really should be happening more, you know, yeah. <laughs> plus it could do the other side of things that I would really like to see of what are the hidden parts, you know, yeah. what's what's the thing that you engineered in there, but you didn't have the, you know, two inches by two inches of space in uh pre-order or in pre-order of instructions of hey this thing you can also do this and put it here and it looks like this 
Yeah. You know, and, and you could even sell it in the video of like, hey, you find out exclusive stuff, you know, by, you know, come and watch the video and you can find out how these three pieces are supposed to get go together in order to make this new thing. Well, I think there's even on, on a on a piece as complicated as Cheetor, there are things where it's not even about like hidden features, more so geometry and order of operations that a designer mm-hmm. might just because they yeah. worked on the toy, they might just assume is obvious and then you have a whole, you know, fandom of people who are transforming the thing out of step with what the designer thought would be the case. Maybe it's even easier to do it in a certain order. And like, yeah, it's, it's it's a venue that is there, that is proven, and that I, I really wish was being used more by the people making the toys rather than like, yes, people who buy your toys will for free make instructional videos, but none of us worked on it and we might be getting something right. wrong, you know? And I want that confidence, especially on a high end piece. And again, I'm, it's back to our, our fun stuff that we would love to see of, you know, have the guy that's designer talk about when he had the aha moment of yeah. how to make this thingamajig work. And and again, you you uh, humanize parts of it. Yeah. And, and you give curated instructional video, you know, mm-hmm. like that. That's that's I think the key word I'm looking for here. It's like I just I wish that was happening a lot more than it is right now. <laughs> but uh, yeah, cheat cheat or. Uh, that is a toy that went the opposite of Six Shot for me, where I I, I felt kind of weird. I almost was like, should I have bought this? Like when I opened him up, and then I came back to him after a weekend away and was like, oh no, I really like this figure. This is really good. <laughs> um, anything else on your end, Darren? Nope, that's it for uh, what we've got. I'm pacing, look, waiting for uh, wave four of the uh, Titan Masters, and I am not going to pull the trigger. And I'm saying it on the show for my own benefit as well on buying a set of four because it's two repaints and a set of four. Yep. Yeah, I am. I am adamant about that. And I really want Shuffler. I am not. Mm-hmm. It's, I think it's because one of the two repeats is frigging Nightbeat. That just really annoys me. Yeah. And especially like, when that Nightbeat could be better just on its own. Yeah. And, and, well, I, I also think Titan Master Nightbeat is the worst single pack Titan Master of all the ones released. Oh, come on, come on, come on. Everybody remembers the time that Nightbeat had with his drill tank. I mean, even if that is true, everything about that figure just I don't <laughs> like. So I, I just, man, you know, I'll take I'll take another flywheel. Sure, that thing is harmless. But like friggin' Nightbeat. Um I got I got a couple more Transformers because I, I pulled the I pulled the ship button on a, a multi-month built-up HLJ private warehouse. Okay. Um, so I got three more uh, Transformers Legends releases. I got uh, LG Astro Train. Uh, All right. Who certainly looks different with this amount of paint on him. Uh, the main thing that you probably that I could say that isn't obvious from photos is I turn him into train mode. Uh, train mode re- like replaces some gray with purple when you like, you know, unfold those uh, train track panels mm-hmm. in a way that does a whole lot more than the American version does. Um, okay. in, in making the train mode look more purple than the shuttle mode. Uh, and it's kind of cool. Um, still not sure if it's worth the premium, but it is pretty darn cool. And the headmaster has a, a pretty good paint job as well, especially on, on the little tiny head. Uh, I also got the LG version of Brainstorm, who comes with, uh, for his partner vehicle, uh, it's a version of Bronze partner vehicle. Um, and he, he just, you know, he looks very sharp. I, I already like the, the, you know, the blur retool that is Brainstorm. Uh, the LG colors are not my favorite Brainstorm colors, 
Um, I, I still really like the toyetic ones that the comics have been doing, but these are really solid and stark colors. Like it's a very good aqua blue, um, a really cool like off gray, and then this like not quite black. Not and it's not gunmetal, but it's like gunmetal with the metallic removed um, for the dark mm-hmm. color. Um, they also did a whole lot of work painting the seat. Like the seat is actually like kind of arc orange. Looks really cool. Uh, and of course, the little headmaster has a bunch of paint on him. He's in, and it just looks so sharp. Um, the anime accurate face looks better in person than I was expecting. And the brawn vehicle, uh, when it's color matched to brainstorm, really looks on topic. Like it, it, I'm surprised how much I'm liking that. Uh, and then I also got Leo Prime, which is what they're doing with uh, Voyager Alpha Trion, where they're doing him up as Leo Convoy. Um, his comic, I don't think has been translated, but the opening pages of the comic, he's still, uh, in the form he was in back in, um, the Japanese release of Transformers Prime when they recolored Thundertron into Lyo Convoy. Uh, so it's that toy in the comic book. And then he's fighting some samurai dude in space who turns him into the, the, the headmaster for this toy. And he crash lands on what looks like a battle beast planet. And then they like build him a new body and stuff. Um, so this toy is still Alpha Trion, which means it's more, it's, it's, I find it very fun to transform more so than I find it fun to pose in robot mode. Mm-hmm. But, uh, the new colors do a whole lot to make them look different and to make them look in some ways better, um, in some ways less dynamic, but in some ways a little bit more solid. And the little headmaster is painted as what I read is they painted the Titan master to look like the Lyo convoy protoform from the beginning of Beast Wars two. So he's primarily blue and red. Um, and that, that is pretty darn cool. And, uh, they make good use of the pop out crown bits inside of Alpha Trion to add like gold crests to this thing on either side. And it just, mm-hmm. I, I like it. And he also comes with a bonus gun for some reason. I don't even really know why they gave him one of the Astro train guns, but in blue. Okay. So he, so he comes with like the triple barreled thing in red. He comes with the sword and he comes with the thinner non seated Astro train gun in blue. Um, and I actually really like the ship mode in these colors. Uh, cause Alpha Trion ship mode has a certain bestiality to it still due to just the wild placement of colors. And this guy has a very bestial looking lion mode, but then the ship mode is very white on the top and very flat. And like something about that helps the, the trick it's pulling of going from curved shapes into blocky shapes. So I don't know if I would say he's worth the premium and he's categorically better than Alpha Trion, but he's doing something special. Um, also the pop-up crown bits have the same problem on Alpha Trion where if you don't tilt the, the base slightly, they never really lock down. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that's sort of disappointing. Um, and I believe that does it for my LG stuff. I got two more Transformers in that order though. I, you know the, how they're doing that line called movie the best? Cause the movies are the best. Mm-hmm. It's Tomy's re-release line of a bunch of movie toys. I got Evasion Prime and Crab Tank Megatron. Um, cause I love those two toys and I wanted to have them in the fancy paint jobs. Uh, Evasion Prime is a toy that ages very well. I still really like this toy, even though I have the improved Wei Jang upscaled masterpiece eyesed, um, pseudo knockoff. Um, this version of Evasion Prime is just, he's very painted. If you ignore the shotgun, um, he looks really good in both modes. I wish they had gone for a different kind of weathering in the truck mode, because rather than going for metallic and rusty, they just went for dirty. Mm-hmm. And it means a lot of the paint apps are hard. They're kind of hard to see. It just sort of looks like a sea of muddy paste. But uh, in robot mode, he looks a lot better. Also, his his outward shoulder joints, 
they ratchet really well in a in a way where I don't even remember Evasion Prime having ratcheted outward shoulder joints. Um, I, I think I, I remember now that they were kind of there on the American one, but I, I don't think they worked that well. Um, so I'm, I'm I'm happy with this figure, but he comes in a very large box, and they packaged him in vehicle mode, and man, he does not fill out the box because his vehicle mm-hmm. mode is tiny. <laughs> Uh, Crab Tank Megatron. I have not messed with Crab Tank Megatron in years. Um, so this is him done up fully in silver and copper, um, which is what I always wanted for that toy. And it looks great. The toy is a bit brickier than I remember. Um, and I had a little bit of trouble transforming him, even though he's not hyper complicated. Um, but I'm, I'm very happy with this piece. It's, uh, it's not going to be for everyone, but it is executing on something I wanted to see since like, over six years ago. So, I'm happy. Um, <laughs> I forgot about the Automorph claw arm. Um, it still does the thing where when you bend the elbow, like, the claw transforms in and out, but if you hold the claw and bend the elbow, it very harmlessly clicks as you move it forward and backwards. It doesn't feel like you're fighting against anything or damaging anything. And the silver paint is gorgeous. Like, it looks really, really good. You don't have to buy this toy, but for crying out loud, try to see one in person. Like, it looks so sharp. Uh, Also, they did a thing where his, like, backpack cape wing thing is, like, silver on the top for tank mode, but the underside is unpainted and extremely dark plastic, so it kind of helps hide it if you don't want to see it. Um, I would not say you have to get movie the best anything, um, but these two figures were a nice way to kind of dip my toe into that stuff and re-experience some movie toys I actually enjoyed. Uh... I would like to see a side-by-side of movie the best Human Alliance Soundwave with the original Human Alliance Soundwave, because that one actually looks pretty darn good, too, for similar silver paint reasons. Okay. But uh, that does it for my on-topic what I got this week. Um, So let's go into off-topic world. And uh, TJ, I know one off-topic thing you got. Aside from that, was there anything else, or is it really your thing? Uh, Aside from that, no, I don't. You don't think I've got anything else? Let's let's talk about it a little bit then. What what am okay. I? What are we talking about? Uh, we're talking about a Nintendo Switch. Just quickly, Aaron, have you gotten to mess with a Switch? No, I haven't yet. Oh <laughs> man, you need to mess with a Switch. Oh, I want to. It feel I didn't. I've never messed with a Wii U, and the Switch felt like what my brain assumed the <clears throat> Wii U would feel like, and I know that's not what it feels like. Oh no. <laughs> Which, but oh, no. the way I can describe it from what I understand of the Wii U and what Switch feels like, it's like the jump that I didn't make from the DS to the DS Lite because I just skipped the DS and bought a DS Lite and got the better version. Uh, and God, that thing feels good. I spent four hours, no, eight hours with one, basically. Uh, two filming sessions at the YouTube space. Played a whole lot. Uh, and I, I really like how that thing feels. TJ, you actually own one, so you can just fondle it whenever you want, you bastard. Uh-huh, and I do so frequently. It feels so good! It does. I mean, I mean I, I'm saying it feels good when you have the Joy-Cons attached to the screen, and you're holding it like a handheld. Mm-hmm. Like, God, that feels good. I, um, How do you feel... Of, because there's a cradle you can put the joy cons into yeah it's too narrow i think it should have been an inch wider it just feels cramped and it's it's a it's a third piece it's just a piece of plastic so i'm like this could have been wider and nothing would have changed i don't know Uh, i don't know i usually play it with the cradle the the cradle is fine i just i and i mean i know people will make third-party ones that will answer this this qualm 
I just really wish it was wider. Like, if it was an inch wider, I think it would have felt as natural in my hands as, like, a PS4 controller. See, yeah, I'm, I'm looking at it now. It's a little bit, yeah. I'm comparing it to an Xbox controller. Yeah, it's a little bit narrower, but... Yeah. That, I don't know. My, my hands are okay with it. That's my only problem with that, with, with the hardware side of controlling the thing um, for normal games. I mean, but that's the fun part about the Switch, is that if you don't like how that feels, you just, okay, just take the little Joy-Cons off and just... Hold them wherever. Well, I tried doing that, and it's cool. But oh, that's got, that's got to be weird. It feels really weird. It does feel weird. <laughs> I try. In fact, I tried playing Zelda with just the two Joy Cons with my arms hanging at my sides, and I did for a bit. And I was like, "This feels kind of cool," but it also feels like I'm not wearing underpants. I don't know how to describe this any better. <laughs> you know, it's it's like I feel like I'm missing a very key piece of my wardrobe when the controller is in two halves. <laughs> I don't know, maybe it's playing the Wii so much that I actually kind of got a little bit used to that. Pro- probably, yeah. I, I've but, rarely played a Wii and never played Wii U. But so. there is something very fun about just being able to lounge however I want and still play. I did really like that when you have them separated, the right Joy-Con you can use to, to like, Wii aim the archery stuff. Mm-hmm. Like, that that was a kind of cool touch, because it made... That and the touch screen on the, the built-in monitor made me feel like I was literally getting the best parts of all of the last few Nintendo consoles. That really is what the Switch feels like. It feels like the the handheld mode is what the Wii U was going for, but never quite managed to get. Mm-hmm. Like you've got the touchscreen functionality, you've got the Wii's best parts, and then you got a whole bunch of little things that make it a very intuitive and versatile console. Yeah, like and, and just the the fact that it feels so good when I'm like I played Zelda for just about half an hour of not trying to film stuff and just messing around with it. And like, it, I was just sitting there going like, man, this feels like a good piece of tech. Like this feels nice. Yeah. Uh, also the, the, the vibration motor in the joy cons, like don't buy a one, two switch. Cause it's a ripoff, but there's a game in one, two switch where you take a joy con and then it's like, there are, there are virtual metal balls inside the joy con tilt it left and right and try to feel how many balls are inside. The, that vibration motor actually felt like there were metal ball bearings inside the Joy-Con. Like, I can't describe it any better because mm-hmm. it was that it was like virtual reality levels of like a moment. I remember the presser calling that HD rumble. Yeah, that's what it's yeah. called. Yeah. Yeah. It was, is, it's such a hilarious term. To it's, me. it's a terrible name. because It doesn't mean anything like high definition rumble. But like, no. yeah, it, it, it felt much like how putting on a virtual reality headset and I looked around and it worked was a moment mm-hmm. playing that one two switch game, tilting the Joy-Con and going like, I feel three small balls moving inside this thing as though they're really being affected by gravity. And I can feel right. them banging against each other. I can feel them banging against the insides of the Joy-Con. And mm-hmm. I was like, this is really cool. Like. That's not the application for this technology. No, no. But it's a fantastic demo of it. No, that's what Nintendo does. Is that's what Wii Sports was, and that's what Nintendo Land later on was. It was just basically a tech demo for what this could potentially do. Mm-hmm. Here's mm-hmm. all these little tricks that we worked in, and here's what they're capable of. And now it's up to developers and designers to come up with something that fully utilizes this. Yeah, and and if that stuff become like I don't know what working on that stuff is like because I, I understand it or I have understood it that being outside of Nintendo trying to work on their new tech can be very difficult. Um, I will I will say like according to uh, 
according to the guys who made Shovel Knight, like apparently porting it over to the Switch was the easiest thing they've ever done. That that has me excited because I heard you know Shovel Knight and like Binding of Isaac and a bunch of other indie games I really like are coming to that platform. Mm-hmm. And the idea of having this really good portable way to play some games I already really like on Steam is, is that that's very enticing to me. Yeah. Um, yeah. Like, I think that's one thing that a lot of people overlook is that all these really cool indie games that are coming out for the Switch and it's a portable device. So it's one of the there's very few of those that can be on like an iOS app. Like not a lot of them are on iOS. It's mostly Steam, PS4, etc. Yeah. The, the, this the is v- how you, the, the Vita was doing this for a while, but the, the only downside of that is the Vita did very little else once it became a really good mobile platform for indie games. Right. There was not much else to do with its actual dedicated hardware, which made buying one very difficult to consider, at least for me. Mm-hmm. Um, but like playing Zelda and one Two switch. I'm like, all right, Zelda is friggin' awesome. I don't play a lot of Zelda games. so That's probably I mean, I already people who play lots of Zelda games are already saying this is also like best game they've played in a long time, etc. I've only ever played Ocarina once on a 3DS, so it's like doubly so for me. This is a really good experience. Mm-hmm. I also like the things being cribbed from other games and being cribbed in a really good way, like the Assassin's Creed climbing <laughs> over all the environment. Yeah, I didn't know that was in this game. I walked up to a tree and I just started climbing up the tree and I was like, OK, that's cool. Yeah, the game, it, almost everything is climbable. Yeah. Like, and, every mountain, every surface, every building. And it's climbable in the way that the best Assassin's Creed climbing has happened, mm-hmm. where you don't have to think about it. Like, the way I described it was, it's, the game feels like Skyrim if someone came up with a really good Legend of Zelda mod. Well, and also made it less friggin' half busted all the time yeah (laughs) i will say like this game feels like a really dense version of skyrim because it's a it's a the world isn't as grandiose but that makes it more approachable well it also it also Mm -hmm. feels like a hundred times more curated where i don't i don't see literally holes in the world just ripping open while i'm walking around it well that's what nintendo does you know the game comes out when the game is perfect and 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 like if if they can get a Mario, like I think they should. I I'm sorry to everyone who has a Wii U. There should be a Mario Maker on this with no limitations, because a portable version of Mario Maker on a better piece of hardware is a winning combination, in my opinion. If they get a Mario Maker out, plus the Zelda game, plus one more really good action game, I think I'm down. Well, we got Odyssey coming out in the winter. We've got Splatoon 2 coming out this summer, and I love Splatoon. There's a No More Heroes coming as well, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's that's the one that I think will be part three of, of the Killer App trio I'm looking for. No, the game so far has been like... And the game is enormous, is the thing. Mm-hmm. Like, I've... It's been nothing but chaos around here with family coming in for my grandmother's birthday. Mm-hmm. Uh, everyone I've ever been related to is going to be here. Uh, it's been nothing but chaos with... Some of them coming early, some of the you know, getting ready for everyone else, and there's going to be like a dozen people in the house. I have escaped every chance I've gotten just so I can play the game. I've been playing it since launch night. I'm not done with the story. Oh, yeah. Like, there's there there are places to go in that game, but, like, I was able to kill f- almost 40 minutes wandering a small circle beating up goblins and goblin skeletons. Yeah. And harassing an old man who kept trying to help me and dodging every time I tried to hit him. <laughs> and I felt quite happy. Uh, yeah, it, it's a game. It, it's a more true sandbox ex- experience that I've ever played. 
Like, yeah. It's literally just, here's a bunch of tools, here's a big world, go find out what happens. And I'm going to say, because I've seen the comparisons popping up now, there are other really good games out now, too. Horizon Zero Dawn sounds amazing, but I can play a lot of those games on my computer, and that's probably where I'm going to play a lot of stuff right now, because yeah. it's so comparable. There are console exclusives, but a majority of games I like, I'm able to play really well on Steam and, and other platforms on my PC right now, so I've, I've not really been enticed to get new console hardware. Um, the The portability and the way it works on the Switch for a thing that certainly, like, I make fun of it in the stuff I shot at the at the at the YouTube space. You can't like stick that thing in your pocket. Like, it's not going to happen. <clears throat> no, but, no. But if, you, you just need better pockets. Well, I I just shot it where it was coming out of my armpit under underneath my jacket every time I, I fake pulled it out of a pocket on those sets <laughs> they had. But like, it just feels really good. It, it like it does stuff as a piece of hardware that I like. Um, and, and that's what makes it so so tempting to me is just how good that thing felt. Yeah. And and also the, like friggin' first up, let me say when you take a switch and you put it back in the dock to play on a TV, it's not like it takes a million years, but it did take longer than I would have liked to transfer a picture to the screen, even though it did do it in under ten seconds. There was just enough of a pause where I was like, <laughs> "Come on!" But when I pull the thing out of the cradle to play portably, it's instantly on that little monitor. Well, well, so my question for that would be, is that potentially, like, I, lag in whatever your the system is? Because is, I know that, yeah. like, yeah. for my, um, if I'm switching between, like, my home theater PC and my Xbox and the PlayStation 3, I push the button to switch, two, three, four, five, input three, and then it's yeah. going. No, yeah. it, it is entirely, <laughs> I'm, I'm almost definitely sure it is just, the, you know, waiting for the HDMI cable. Mm-hmm. Um, because yeah, when you're going to portable mode, it's just like blip your plan, like right. that's it. It's it's running, um, and and that that speed to go to portable mode, I thought was a real winning moment because I'm like, it's less about going to play it on the big screen. It's more about oh, I gotta go somewhere. Oh, there's like cleaners coming in, or oh, you know, it's loud in here. I'm gonna go mm-hmm. play this over on a couch. It's just like shoop. Okay, I'm playing it. Yeah. Well, I mean, that's the thing is if you're going to be playing it on the couch and you need to put it back in the dock, that's you're you're going to stand there to take the remotes off anyway. Yeah. So it's mm-hmm. like, OK, so a little bit of lag isn't that big of a deal when going back to that mode. And it is entirely on like the TV's end of things. Yeah, I feel like. Yeah. Um, the, I'm just thinking of, of the, the the bad things I have to say, because there are only there are only a few really like the, the kickstand works, mm-hmm. but it feels like. If it's the cheapest feeling part of that whole, it, it, the kickstand feels almost insulting to the rest of the system because <laughs> of the way that it locks in place for when you stow it away. But when you flip the kickstand out, there is no locking point. So it just kind of jiggles around and I'm like, this just feels awful. Uh, it works, but it doesn't feel up to the same par as like the, the gorgeous feel of the sliding Joy-Con connections. Mm, it um, works enough. Yeah, it's like it's like it, it works. It does what it's supposed to, but it just feels really bad. Uh, also, the wrist strap chunks that you can stick on the Joy Cons, mm-hmm. because they have fake buttons that plunge down to push the two top buttons on the Joy Cons. Those things are a hundred times harder to pull off of the Joy Cons than anything else. Yeah, that was mm-hmm. the one thing. Like getting it right out of the box and trying things out, getting those little attachments on was so difficult. It, like I can like sliding them on even was okay, but getting them off, the fake button plungers feel like they get caught on everything, 
and it feels bad and then you're trying to hold the release button and there's nothing to leverage on except for other buttons up near the release buttons. So if you're playing a game and trying to switch these things, you're also pushing three buttons over and over again while you're trying to wrestle the wrist straps off. Also, wrist straps just annoy me for some reason. Uh, maybe it's because I gave myself a friction burn on one of my wrists with them <laughs> when I filmed this stuff. I was doing something stupid, I'll admit. Of course. No. But I, I have a friction burn. I was finishing the video, and I put on both Joy-Cons on, on his wrist straps, just let them hang, and then I thought, well, they're loose enough, and this is a demo unit, so I started to spin them around on my wrists really fast, but the Joy-Con wrist straps are kind of like heavy rope, so it was like I was spinning a thick threaded rope around on my wrists really fast for about two minutes, and it was only after the burning pain started when I realized exactly the combination of friction and flesh I was creating. And I, I kind of burned my left wrist a little bit. <laughs> I have a very, a very small surface scab on my left wrist. <laughs> Don't do what I did. That was very stupid. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, I really like that console. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, it's definitely a wait till Christmas kind of console. Oh yeah, but... like if you, if you buy it now and you, you're not into the Zelda game, you're stuck. Like as as much as the indie games and downloadable games are cool. I would feel very sad if that's all I had to play on a 400 Canadian dollar piece of hardware for a few months. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, oh, also, I I didn't lick a cartridge. I just want to say that right now. Uh-huh. But because of a thing that happened with a similar bittering agent in Ninja Turtles Ooze a couple years ago, I fondled a cartridge a whole bunch and then licked my fingertip. And how'd that go for you? The embittering agent is going to come off on your skin. Okay. So wipe your fingers off before you eat any chips if you're playing your Switch games. Also, maybe don't fondle a cartridge for a minute and a half. Yeah, that'd be that'd be a good thing too. (laughs) Uh, Cartridge, a tiny little chip. I was I was just curious if that would happen, and it totally did. And (laughs) and even transferring from cartridge to fingertip to tongue. That embittering agent stays with you for a good long while. Like, not not hours, but it stays a lot longer than you might think. Uh, and it, it's it's not, like, god-awful terrible. It's just unpleasant um, if you don't like bitter things. If you like bitter things... So, we filmed at the YouTube space, and a friend of mine was filming right after me, so I stuck around for his film filming block because he was having kind of a, a one-two-switch party is what he was filming. Mm-hmm. One of his friends really likes bitter stuff, you know, adores horseradish, loves bitter tastes, licked one of the one of the cartridges and was like, that was great. So bear in mind, that might happen to you if you're an idiot who wants to start licking game cartridges. Yeah, it occurred to me that the used market for this switch is going to be very scary. There's a 70 percent chance someone has had their cartridge in their mouth. Steve, See, and that's Steve. the darn thing. The whole the whole idea of the bettering agent is to prevent you from doing such well, a thing. It's to prevent well, children who operate, you know, as an animal would, right. yeah. which somehow has the opposite effect of then turning grown adults into idiots. <laughs> because we're like, well, now we know it tastes bad. We got to make sure. Steve did a whole bit, and everyone was up for it, even when they didn't seem to want to. Where it was like, hey, everyone, lick the cartridge and react to it. We'll wipe it off after. <laughs> and I was like, I was like, you know, in the space of four hours, this cartridge has now been licked by eight people. The used game market on these is going to be friggin' weird. 
I mean, you just have to wipe it down, right? With with mm-hmm. with a disinfectant cloth. But like, <laughs> you're gonna see little boxes at the GameStop are gonna have a, a little check box. Times licked three. Those. I understand why boxes have to be big. It's so they can be seen on a shelf. Yeah. When you open one of the boxes for a, a Switch game, though, like, how depressing is that? Because <laughs> <laughs> they're not on just SD. They're on like micro SD cards. It's well, it's not even micro. There's it's some weird like in between between SD and mini. Yeah, it's smaller than an SD card, slightly thicker, but physically looks much smaller. And it's in a box that's like kind of the size of a PSP box. Mm-hmm. Our PSP game box. It's just like all this plastic, all this wasted plastic. <laughs> well, you need you do need shelf presence. You do yeah, need I space know. for all the legal and all the photos. For me, I found that it's a psychological thing. Whereas like, it's very hard to pay so much for something that would be so tiny in like in the store case. I know, but then yeah. if, you, if you take it, you open it, pull the game out. It's like no, it is that tiny. I could <laughs> I could eat this. They should they should put an embittering agent on it. Uh, also, I hope no one's, I was about to say, I hope no one's offended by me saying people who lick game cartridges are idiots, but at the same time, please do defend to me how it's not stupid to lick a video game. (laughs) I think most people doing it should at least acknowledge that it's a stupid thing to do. (laughs) Especially given that it became a thing. Like, like, of all the things to become a thing, you know? Uh... (laughs) Yeah, it's 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 a good console. Feels really good, at least mm-hmm. you know right now. And I, I liked the Zelda game, so that probably helps. Oh yeah. Wait, liked or licked? Sorry, both. Oh, okay. But I didn't lick it, lick it. I said I rubbed it and then licked my hand, so I'm not a, I'm not a weirdo. <laughs> I didn't tell the PR person that I did it. I almost did, That's... and I felt too ashamed. <laughs> at least you acknowledged that. That's good. I felt Do the very... stupid thing of asking them. Hey, do you know about this? Th- yeah, we know. We. I almost so when she came in to give me the tour of the set, I almost went like, "Hey, so how many people have licked the cartridges?" But I was like, "I don't, I don't want to." But then you'd be afraid of actually getting that number. Yeah, forty-three. Mm-hmm. What? <laughs> <laughs> anyway, look, look forward to a new installment of video games with mm-hmm. the Nintendo Switch going on YouTube sometime. Um. Yeah, you're you're on the money. It's like you probably shouldn't buy it right now, unless you you're a big Nintendo guy and you love Zelda. But like, yeah. if that thing even gets so much as two more solid games this year, then this year it is worth probably uh, considering at least picking it up. Yeah, I can see why they released it with just Zelda as a start because that's all you really need. It lasts so freaking long. And and obviously that Zelda game is out on Wii U as well. Uh huh. So if you have a Wii U. And you don't think you're going to use the portable side of this thing? Like, yeah, you know, you can afford to wait. Yeah. You know, it, it's I, I feel like putting that Zelda game out for it almost was more for people like me who skipped the Wii U entirely. You know, like people coming at this very fresh going like, what's Nintendo yeah. up to? I do think they acknowledge that, too. Yeah. So, well, a lot. Well, the Wii U did not do what we wanted. And this is a massive, massive title. Let's put it out for the new one, too. Just so there's a reason to buy it. And we'll like, yeah. We'll take advantage of the better hardware to make it look look nicer and sound better. Yeah, I was I was very close to getting it for the Wii U and uh, for, oh for Breath of the Wild, and was just like, man, I'd I'd like to, but mm, I I'm going to wait for this for the Switch to get it because man, I 
think it's just a little bit like it, it also might have been because the TV on the set was like a gigantic, like 70 some inch HD TV. Mm-hmm. I thought that the game looked better on the smaller screen just because it's crunched down and more crisp and compact. It just it, it popped harder. Part of that. Um, I will tell you the frame rate is slightly better on the portable mode, too. Yeah. And, and I play into it. And, 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 you know, this could be a critique, yeah. but to me, it's almost a plus because like because the portable mode of that system feels so good and the screen is just big enough to not be a pain to look at. It's mm-hmm. like I kind of like that it looks better because I'm probably yeah. more likely to play it as a portable. Yeah, it adds incentive. Definitely. Yeah. And no. just and just the, the you know, once a better kickstand is out, you know, like a, some kind of carrying case where the kickstand is maybe, you know, has a locking point and everything. The fact that you don't have to have the Joy-Cons locked on the monitor and you can still use it portably, like, you know, the, the modular nature yeah. of the controller. If that gets leaned into in a way mm-hmm. that is not more gimmicky than it is useful, uh, mm-hmm. I think there's like, you know, it's easy to say this right now. But I just feel like there's such high potential with how good that hardware felt. I hope that it feels like it, it gets, you know, used well before we hit like the five year age mark on the thing. I, yeah, I, I feel like there's versatility to it that's going to be used, utilized pretty well right off the get right off the bat. Like we've got uh, we've got Street Fighter coming out for it. We got uh, Blaze Blue is mm-hmm. ca- getting a game on it. And like fighting games are so perfect. Like I can imagine going around like at a con and just like prop it up take one controller here's your controller we're challenging right now well it, depending how open source that hardware is it just has like a, a newer like you know whatever the new fancy usb connection is that's in the bottom it's a usb c mm, yeah if that isn't too you know firmware locked i could even see the thing where it's like oh yeah i want to play some fighting games here i'll just stick it in the fighting game cradle with two sticks attached to it and we'll play you know proper six button joystick style like if that usb c thing lets it open up hardware wise for like being a monitor system you can just plug into here's the fighting game dock here's the driving game dock like there's something to that even that if you had like a third party yeah like a third party thing like that where instead of just like sliding the joy cons onto the screen you slide the screen into the dock that connects to the controllers yeah and and this is all hypothetical and and i would i'll 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 sober it up a bit we're saying all these situations where I'm sure someone could also say, or you could just get out a PC with fight sticks like we do already. Sure. And it's like, yeah, when I'm at, yeah, when I'm at a convention, <laughs> I just carry my PC around with me. I mean, or, or yeah. a laptop like there's these aren't like completely new ideas, but like it's such a slick piece of hardware. It makes it fun and accessible in a certain way that, you know, there have there have been smartwatches before. And then some company makes the fancy one that feels good and sort of gets the credit for the hardware even though they didn't do it first i don't know that mm-hmm. just the switch feels so friggin good and that was the the biggest happiest surprise for me because i was ready for that thing to feel awkward as hell uh and and my first impression was like anything but yeah like nintendo gets comfort right like when they they come up with so many weird ass controllers over the years but they all feel good in the hand well how did the wii u feel um the wii u like the feel of the Wii U was fine. And even if you didn't like it, you still had things like pro controllers, which feel fine. The only the thing with the Wii U pad was for what it was, it was heavy to hold on to for so long. That's the thing is like because I, I never held one, you know, as a, a portable thing in the field. 
the first thing I did with the Switch was pick up the fully assembled portable version of it with the Joy-Cons on the sides. That thing looks like it should be heavy. It looks like it should be awkward. And like, it just, I was so surprised by how good it felt. Mm -hmm. Even for the shapes that it's made out of. I was like, it didn't feel like planks. Uh, it didn't feel like I was holding a big iPad. You know, it, it, there's a natural feel to it accomplished through some of the curvatures. And uh, I'm, I'm gushing, but it's because I was expecting less. Um, so, yeah, I'm, I'm also really happy I got to mess with one so we could actually have a conversation. Yeah, that's it. nice. <laughs> uh, you know, leaving Aaron out, of course. But that's what will happen. <laughs> Are there are there demo units for the Switch out at like Best Buys and stuff? Are they doing um, that? I've not I seen it. I haven't been to a Best Buy. Uh, I would imagine eventually. Yeah, they got to. Aaron, you got to mess with one. I I want to. I I. We got to figure out. I who... may or may not have like after hearing reports from somebody saying like, oh yeah, our Best Buy here in town had like a hundred or so on hand right at the start, and I may have gone on launch day there and they said yeah we had like 20 and they were all gone i was like oh oh well oh so you're okay you were you were you were legit i was i was somewhere between like on the if i find it i'll be interested but not in the okay here's the shortest distance to go between (laughs) every gamestop walmart best buy target so I, I went and I checked out a couple times, and if it was going to be there, hey, maybe. If not, oh well. Okay, yeah. I mean, if, yeah, if you see one and you you feel up for it, like, it feels really good. But it's, if you know anyone who's got one, you got to mess with one. Like, the, yeah, I I'm meaning to. That is some. Let me say it. That is some hand feel. Mm-hmm. What that thing has. Um, if they can get if they get a port of Hitman out on that thing, I'm going to lose my mind. I <laughs> I really like Hitman. If I can play portable Hitman, I'm gonna my head will explode. <laughs> I don't even know if it's possible or feasible, but like that's that's like you know I want them to make new games for that thing. But if you're talking about ports, the only port that I'm sitting there chomping the bit at for that thing is like just put put friggin' Hitman 2016 on this thing. I can play it with two sticks. It's easy. <laughs> uh. Anyway. We should probably move on from talking about the switch. Yeah, yeah. Um, I, uh, it is all I got. Oh, you know what? I don't know how it slipped my mind, but I got Henkei Dinobot. You're lying. You're a liar. That's a funny lie. <laughs> good joke. Good joke. Good jokes. No one has Henkei Dinobot. No one except me. <laughs> that toy doesn't exist anymore. <laughs> um, Aaron, did you do any off-topic stuff? Uh, yeah, I got myself what, uh, I had somebody at work say is, like, Game Shark for Pokemon Go. I got the Pokemon Go Plus. The Mongo and then, Plus? And then, and then later found one for, uh, Alfie at, uh, Target. That's the, that's mine the, uh, the wristband. Might have been on pre-order forever. And, yes, you can do it as a wristband or as just, like, a clip. Oh, It has, okay. like, a belt clip style thing. Because I, I don't like wearing things easier. on my wrist. I don't, I don't either, and I don't think this is ever going to be wrist-worn. Um, I tried it for just a little bit and was like, nope, but yeah. this this works very well. So um, the way that it works is it's a low power Bluetooth device and it just vibrates and flashes a light when there's an action nearby. So if there's a Pokemon that you can see, it gives a little vibrate green flashlight. You push the button and it throws a single 
poke ball at it and it vibrates and then it either vibrates a whole bunch and flashes rainbow colors that you caught it or it just goes burp burp on red. Does it does it throw a great throw? It or? throws a great I think it throws a great throw. Okay, because so I can't it, it throws I can't even, at Go ahead. Okay, I, I can't even do that um w- without fail. So the idea right. that the thing is automatically going to great throw is already kind of that sounds like cheating to me. So so it it's either a good or great throw. The, the I've I've seen the what is what's the group the Silk Road that's all of the finger quotes researchers or air quotes researchers um, for this game talk about stuff and it gives a an improved chance of catch but only one if it mit, if it doesn't stay in the ball it's gone you don't have a second chance at it so if you see that super rare thing that you're out looking for you don't want to just tap on this thing in hopes that your regular pokeball with an okay chance to catch it hits it because if you run out of regular pokeballs it won't throw anymore it won't dip into your greater ultras so the other thing it'll do and that i have used it for is you can hit pokestops with it downtown uh has a decent loop of about 25 or so pokestops if you wanted to drive for like eight or ten minutes through downtown you can say hey don't notify me about pokemon and then just sit there and just constantly and just mine for items and so then it's really interesting because i'll sit there and watch like my stock of items go up when i do that and then just like at work there are three or four spawn points that i can get from inside the office so if i just leave like my phone on screen off plugged in at my desk and then this thing in my pocket occasionally when my pocket vibrates i just reach down tap the button and then might be catching stuff and so it's a matter of how it kind of becomes the 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 game shark or cheat mode for it is like a lot of other times that you may not you know if i didn't have that at work i probably wouldn't have the screen i wouldn't have the app up on my phone at work but since i can just do it passively kind of it's cool for that or walking through the mall and having to pay attention because Alfie wants to go look at whatever dumb thing at the mall and she doesn't listen to the podcast. I'm safe. Um, <laughs> I can, I can be sitting here and just be doing this while in a hot topic and looking at Disney shirts or over at, you know, the FYE looking at music or whatever and, and continuing to interact, but I can sit there and since the mall is a place where there's a lot of people, so where there's a lot of people, there's a lot of Pokemon. So I can be getting a bunch of the, the cheap grind up for candy catches and be having fun with it. Uh, if you're somebody that plays Pokemon go and you can find it for 30, 35 bucks, which is what I paid for mine with a longstanding Amazon pre-order and then found again at target. Uh, it's not a bad price. Um, if you're, you, uh, I mean, obviously if you don't play Pokemon go, it'd be a kind of silly purchase for you. They just but, buy it for status. <clears throat> right. But it's an interesting <laughs> it's an interesting thing. Um and I mean this thing's gotten me to walk. Let's see what uh get the app up. See what uh my jogger badge is. I've registered four hundred and eighty seven kilometers with the app up. And a lot of that is potentially walking that I wouldn't be doing. So mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. hey, it's a way that you can trick yourself into doing exercise. Yeah, I'm, I'm not gonna. I'm not because I mean, also I, I use it as a way to just like 
do stuff when I'm walking around. Right. I'm not. I'm not gonna. I think that we have got to be past the point of people going like, "Oh, you're playing the Mongo game." I just yeah. like calling it Mongo. Uh, yeah. However, a lot of those, a lot of those Johto Pokemon look stupid, man. <laughs> I've been seeing more of them. Every every now and then, I see something cool like a Murkrow. But then five times out of six, I see like a gelatinous shape in a pastel color with two dot eyes and like a sideways parentheses smile or a three turned sideways for a face. And I'm like, what happened in G2? Uh, every generation kind of has its own vibe for how it designed Pokemon. And this yeah. this one is the like drunk toddler era. <laughs> <laughs> I make a shape. I give it face, eye, eye, mouth. It's done. <laughs> I like the idea that he just has stamps, eye, eye, yeah. mouth. <laughs> like, I'm trying, like, I was doing it as a bit, but I'm also legitimately like, why do these look so bad? So, I mean, you know, again, every now and then you see a Murkrow and those things look badass. Hey, there are yeah, plenty except of- for their crap to try and catch. They yeah. have such a high, like, evade rate that... Another reason why I like the Pogo Plus is it only throws one ball. So I, I'm not sitting there like, damn it, I'm going to catch this stupid thing. for just stay in the fucking ball. And then I'll run. I'm just like, Broop. oh, I didn't get it. Okay. I, I I have like two or three of them. So I don't know what you guys are doing wrong. Uh, I have <laughs> 209 Murkrow candies. <laughs> That's weird. Every You know what? It's not just the Murkrow. I mentioned this before the recording, too. I find it's every now and then it's like the game is like, we really want you to buy some Pokeballs so they don't work for the next like 20 throws. And yeah. I'm like, all right, I'll burn through these. And then like randomly one of those, like, all right, it worked. And I'm like, okay. Yeah. I mean, yeah. there there is some of that tuning that seems like it's, it's kind of cheesy and horrible about trying to get you to buy things. You know, it's the... You know, incubators to hatch eggs that oh God, you know may dude. find stuff that you can't get near you. That sometimes gets frustrating. But um, oh, I also found like a fire stone. Oh, so a I sunstone. hate you. Okay, I can't get one of them. What does it do? Oh, I've I've gotten two. Um, so in oh, uh, <laughs> the the generation the in the the, the Gen two Pokemon, there are some that require an evolution item. On top of everything else, um, in order to to evolve. So, like, if you want to get a Steelix, you have to have fifty Onyx candies and a Metal Coat, and then with both of those things, away it goes. Okay. Um, so your Sunstone gets you either a evolved Sunkern or an evo- a different evolution for Gloom. Well, I, I also found something that I thought was like a knockoff Jigglypuff. And someone told me it was a prevolution. Yes. Ah. So you would have hatched a probably a two K egg, and you got an Iggly buff. No, I found one. I think. Oh no! You yeah, it came, it came out of an egg. Yeah, 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 yeah. Hatched, the, the baby. The babies come from hatches. Okay. So yeah, it was called Iggly buff, and I was like, this actually sounds like a, a crappy knockoff Jigglypuff. Yeah. So the, and the it looked like a drunk toddler had designed it, like some of the other ones I've seen. So I was like, did, did some third party group like get into my game and? put in these iggly buffs am i gonna find something called like an at rat it's gonna be like a rat tail there is there is pichu for pikachus cleffa for clefables uh iggly buff for the uh jigglypuff and then it's elekid 
Magby and Smoochum. Smoochum. Along with Togepi, which is the egg Pokemon. Yeah, Togepi's G1. I like Togepi. No, he's not. He's, he's no, he was G2. In the, he was in the anime. He's G1. Yeah, he was. Yes, but so were all of these also were in the anime. It, the, not, not in the ones to, I saw. To, to, Togepi <laughs> was like the introduction to gen, to the second generation no, because he, he, it's Togepi and then Togetek. Yeah, to, Togepi is the, the, the egg character from the end of G1 and then the series ended and then someone's like, hey, let's ruin this idea and make a bunch of fake Togepis. But we'll, we'll call them stupid stuff like Iggly Buff. Murkrow's cool, though. Murkrow can be in G1. I'll bring Murkrow in. What do you, what do you, what do you like, think of Milt Tank? I haven't seen one. Oh, it's like a cow with four udders that just, like, waves them back and Wait, forth. Wait, his name is Milk Tank? Milk Tank. Not Milk Tank. Mill Tank. If it was called Milk Tank, I would have liked it, but instead it sounds kind of half-hearted. I don't know. Like, I like it when they just give them an, an, an awful name. Like, I saw one that was called, like, I think it was, like, a, an evolution of, like, one of the other ones, but its name was something like Sack of Dirt or something like that, or Iso Crap. <laughs> like, it had a name that sounded like an actual, like, walking feces pile, and I loved it, and then it ran away, and I couldn't catch it, and I got really upset. And that's when I decided I hated G2 Pokemon. Okay, I have no idea what you're talking yeah, about. Yeah, I'm okay. lost here. It looked like a brown bag with a face. A brown, brown <laughs> bag. <laughs> or like it maybe had like a lump on the top. So it was like if if like a zit came to life and was brown, like, you know, scabbed over. Pile of swine? Pile of swine. That's what it was. Pile <laughs> okay. Of, <laughs> pile of swine. Yeah. That's so the, the thing that you said that was like the brown and light brown loaf evolves into that yeah yeah because the loaf is everywhere and so when i saw that thing i was like all right the garbage loaf evolves into pile of swine i kind of like that but then i couldn't it, catch it it, away. it hurts me that i was having to flip through everything going what the hell are you talking about? Yeah, like pouring through my mind. Like I, like I do. There is a literal walking garbage pile Pokemon, if that's what he means. But it's not Gen Two. No, right. yeah, it, was, it was like pile of swine. Yeah, because I was like, yeah, he's called like sack of dung. Sack of dung. <laughs> anyway, that's yeah, <laughs> that's who I was thinking of. Well, I'm glad I guess that we could get that figured out for you <laughs> i'm sure a lot of the listeners are glad too just screaming at their headsets that's what what did you call it before pile of swine you said or pile swine yeah i don't know it's pile of pile of swine that's what his name was that's why i was so happy that's why it's just got to be milk tank or like nipple gun I can respect those sort of Pokemon. Right. They're welcome in G1. Uh, anything else off topic on your end? No. I don't think so. All right. Uh, I do not have anything else off topic either. I was all Transformers this week. So uh, with that, we have hit the end of the show. So thank you all for listening and uh, putting up with our uh, in-depth scientific Pokemon discussion and rampant Nintendo Switch fanboyism and uh, lies about Henkei Dinobots and dissertations on Cheetors 
and listener questions and whatever that thing was at the start, the comic book. Uh, we'll talk to you again later. In the meantime, uh, stay transformative and stay lis listenertive. Goodbye. Means, but you got some badass perpetrators that are here to stay.